Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Yes, it is Tuesday, April 9th. And live from the Chicago Reader's Suntime Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, our Chicago Reader colleague, Maya Dukmasova, will join us. We're talking Lincoln Yards and more with Mr. Bike David Glowatz. Yeah, we'll probably talk about bikes. <laughs> and we welcome Congressional Democratic Committeeman, the one, the only, Peter Janko. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Tick, Tick, Tick (laughs) Tuesday. And here's why. Great weekend, everybody. I had a great... You have a good weekend, D? Yes, I did. I had a great weekend among the many things I did this weekend, including a lots of eating. I saw the movie Wonder. Have you ever seen the movie Wonder? No, I have not. Okay. Wonder came out in 2017. A lot of people missed it. I missed it when it came out. I was going to see it, but I didn't see it. I think I saw Wonder Woman instead. There was a lot of wonders in the yeah. air in 2007. I wonder why. I, oh, <laughs> anyway, I got a million of them. I'm here all day, folks. <laughs> well, just until three. Uh, and uh, anyway, so I finally got around to seeing Wonder. I uh, rented it off of Netflix. Very up. Oh, my God. It was a heartwarming tale of a family where everybody does the right thing under all kinds of pressure. Man, I was crying like a baby. Aww. Yeah. I, know, I was like, my wife, oh, I love this movie. Julia Roberts. Owen Wilson. Uh, if you get a chance, go see the flick. Anyway, it's all about people doing the right thing. Remember that, folks. All about people doing the right thing. And then I woke up today and I saw a headline in my beloved bright one. Can you please show those listeners? Front page, okay? See that? Home delivered. All right? Holding sway all about a do the right thing moment right here in the city of of Chicago right now. We're not talking about a movie with Julia Roberts. Oh, no. We're talking about something that's playing out as we speak right here in the city of Chicago with Mayor-elect Lori Lightfoot. All right, it has to do with Lincoln Yards and 78. Now, folks, we've been talking about these are the two TIFF deals. Talking a lot about now. A lot of my listeners outside of Chicago are saying, Ben, why should we care if you want to throw your money down a hole? That's true. All right, if the city of Chicago decides in its infinite wisdom that it would rather spend money that could be used paving its streets, fixing its bridges, paying its police officers, paying its firefighters, paying its teachers, paying its pe- uh, pension obligations, so those retirees who've given great service to the city do not have to worry about where their next check is going to come. If the city of Chicago would rather take that money and give it to a developer to develop a gentrifying neighborhood, it's already gentrifying neighborhood. What do we care? 
Well, that's an interesting question that our out-of-town out listeners have. Folks, I'm warning you, if the city of Chicago sort of leads the way on this when it comes to wasting money, so you should pay attention to what we're doing here because your leaders may be doing it there as well. And supposedly, as all true blue Democrats, you want to make sure that we spend our money in, what, efficient manner and a progressive way so that we're helping everybody the most instead of just helping a few. So that's why you should care, all right? And that's why people here in the city of Chicago uh, should care. Anyway, here's the bottom line. Here's the deal. Candidate Lori Lightfoot said, go slow in this plans. Let's not rush into this Lincoln Yards. Let's not rush into the 78 TIF deals. Take your time. Study. Not sure why we need to spend so much money uh, on already gentrifying areas. Remember that, D? Remember that? Uh, She came on our show and said this when she was candidate, Lori Lightfoot, sat in that chair right there and said, Ben, I'm going to tell the city council to slow down, slow down, slow down. Well, that was candidate, uh, Lori Lightfoot. Now she's mayor-elect, Lori Lightfoot. And man, she's feeling the heat. Oh, yeah. You think the other side's going to let her drop the ball on all that billions of dollars, D? Uh uh. They're putting the pressure on her. On Sunday, she did the right thing. She said, you know what? We got to hold off. We have to study. I don't think we should approve this deal until there's a new council, a new mayor. I got to take, got to get my lawyers go through it. She had all these lawyers looking at I can tell you right now, you don't even need the lawyers, uh, Lori. It's just a tax hike right there. It's going to give you problems when you try to have to go to raise taxes for the things we really need, like, one more time, police, fire, schools, fixing our roads, fixing our bridges, paying our pension obligations, things we really need right now. All right? Meanwhile, she's under a lot of pressure. So at yesterday's city council meeting, Pat Patrick O'Connor, who's the head of the finance committee, he, it used to be Ed Burke. He got in a little trouble. Uh-uh. So they moved O'Connor in there. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, why did they move uh, Scott Waggis back in there? That would have been a nice substitution, right? You know, we download our uh, interview with Scott Waggis pack for our uh, bo- uh, bonus Monday episode. That is correct. Very good point. That. Dang, Dr. D's on his game right now. Not a doctor. All right. Anyway, so <laughs> they said, they said, all right, yes, she's asked for delay, but we're only going to say it's like a 48-hour delay so they can work out a deal, Lori Lightfoot and Mayor Rahm and the developers. So on Wednesday, we'll come back, reconvene the finance committee and have a vote. So suddenly the delay has been cut to a 48-hour delay. Suddenly the pressure's on. That gives Lori Lightfoot 48 hours to craft some kind of change that would enable her to say, oh, I improved the deal and assure the developer by giving him the money. Oh, we don't want that to happen. Meanwhile, Rom's probably gotten her to back room. Come on, come on, Lori. Putting the heat on her, twisting her arm. Ah! <laughs> He's like, I don't know why I have this image of Rom as like Ursula. You ever see Little Mermaid? Yeah. Little Mermaid. So it's like the Ursula. That was the, the mean sea lady in the under the water. Kind of the same hairdo. <laughs> I got this image as Ram as Ursula. Come on, Lori. Come on, Lori. And I'm on the, it's me. I'm like, what was the mermaid's name? Ariel. I'm Ariel. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. It's Ariel versus Ursula. Come on, Lori. I'm going to tell you one more time, Lori. You can either give the money to some developer who doesn't need it to uh, <laughs> develop an already well-developing neighborhood that'll develop fine without the money, or you can spend it on police. Firefighters, teachers, pensions, paving our roads, fixing our bridges, paying our pension obligations. 
You got a good choice and a not so good choice. The pressure is building. Who will she listen to? Ursula or Ariel? Hear that? Tick, 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 tick. <laughs> the clock is ticking down. Oh, to... that was a clock. <laughs> tick, tick. Do the right thing, Mayor-elect Lori Lightfoot. We got a great show today, everybody. Oh, yeah. Maya Duke Masova will be in the studio. <laughs> That's my partner in crime from the reader. We'll be talking politics, politics, politics. And when she's done... We're going to bring in Dr. D. What a partner you are. Duke Masova. Duke Masova. I said it right. Oh, you did not. Duke Masova. There you go. There it is. Duke Masova. I think, you know what? Here's my theory. I think Maya changes the pronunciation of the name East. Each week she comes in just to mess with us. She goes, let me see how I can mess with that geezer. Uh, Ben, it's not that. It's this. Wait, I thought you told me it was the other way the other week. No, I didn't. Anyway, uh, Maya will be here at uh, 1.30 talking politics, politics, politics. And then when she's done, we're bringing in Dave Glowatz. Oh, yeah, Mr. Bike. He's been studying the Lincoln Yards deal like day and night. He's like a Talmudic scholar studying it, going through it page by page. He knows more about the Lincoln Yard deal than any man alive he'll be here talking about it pulling it apart explaining how the money's going to be spent and then at 2 30 get ready everybody peter janko the uh, committee democratic committeeman for the 14th congressional district we're going to shift gears a little bit and we're going to start talking about national democratic policies what the democrats are doing on a national level to try to control the whole primary presidential primary situation oh good god we got into so much trouble with that back in 2016 when bernie battle hillary remember that d oh, yeah. so uh peter jenko's been following that one very closely also talk about uh state politics in general with old peter J- peter jenko did a very nice film by the way about our show did you see that on facebook d? oh yeah fact, i'm in it you're in it <laughs> brilliant if i may yeah. yeah best supporting actor i heard i'm, I'm getting e- yes indeed so there's plenty of political talk ahead but before we do any of that oh yeah before we do any of that we got to do the news with the doctor. All right, now the doctor. Name's Dennis. It's the middle of the day. Let's talk about what's happening nationally this afternoon. Attorney General William Barr testified before a congressional committee today. Barr said the process of redacting special counsel Robert Mueller's report on his investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election is going well <laughs> going <Sweet>. well. <laughs> oh right. it's like it's such an arduous process. going well we'll be soon one of these we've done one of these days and he expects to release the port uh release the report within the next week oh boy with that all that that give him more time to blank out stuff that he doesn't want us to see is that right Dave? more white out yeah <laughs> by the way I, I don't know if you saw this in the paper. There's like going to be different colors of redactions. Just so everybody has redactions where they black out stuff or so you can't see it. Stuff that you would want. Automatically, you want to know what they're blocking out. Now, some t- cases, you know, I can understand it. Let's let's say I'm doing a report and in the course of the report, I have to list Dennis's cell number. So you don't want the whole world to know Dennis's cell number. So you, you know, block it out. It makes sense. But I have a feeling that they're doing more than blocking out Dennis's cell number. I think they're blocking out all the good stuff. So, so he's now saying, well, I'm going to have different color-coded blackouts. Did you see this one? So, like, orange blockout. I don't know what that's going to mean. Like, you know, Donald Jr. stuff or uh, blue blockout. I don't know what that's going to mean. That's, uh, you know, 
Stephen Miller stuff. I mean, so they're so just let us see the report. How about that, Bar? Huh? In other news nationally, while we were away, more people have been added to that long, <laughs> long list of former Donald Trump White House employees. This thing looks like a receipt from CVS these days. As Donald Trump continues to be a flip-floppy psychopath on immigration, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kirstjen Nielsen, that's Kirstjen with a J in it, Kirstjen Nielsen, just two days after Donald Trump announced that he wants to go in a tougher direction on immigration, Nielsen resigned from her DHS position on Sunday. Well, you know, Ben, resign sounds way better than uh, told to get the hell out of here. <laughs> it seems like what happened. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, uh, I think uh, she was basically told either you resign or we fire you. Which one's it going to be? And nobody's fooled. After her resignation, she told reporters that there is a humanitarian crisis at the border and emphasized the need to address that. CNN reported that Nielsen and Trump were allegedly in disagreement. Uh, here's the quote from Kirsten. Quote, I just want to thank the president again for the tremendous opportunity to serve this country. I'm forever grateful and proud of the men and women of DHS who work so hard every day to execute their missions and support the homeland. Oh, well, that was nice. Oh, man, this is one of the most controversial uh, policies that uh, Donald Trump has implemented. What he's doing at the border, folks, is uh, borderline insane. Uh, essentially, he has manufactured a crisis in order to fire up his base. We all know what's going on uh, to exploit people's fears and prejudices and what have you uh, by creating a problem that didn't really exist. Listen, I understand. We need to have some kind of constructive, sensible, logical uh, immigration policy. I understand that. But this thing where you talk about building walls and separating families and imprisoning people who are trying to get into this country and sort of depicting any immigrant that comes to this country from the South as some kind of criminal, that's just destructive. That's just all about stirring up fear. And uh, Kirsten Nielsen, the hard thing to feel sorry about for, she went along with it. She went along with it. She was a loyal uh, adjunct to Trump. She did whatever he said. And now, apparently, because the, the policy never made sense to begin with, and he doesn't have the power to uh, build a wall, and he doesn't have the power to control the flow of people who want to come into this country, because it's greater than in our country, folks. Let's face it, we're talking about international uh, relations. We're talking about problems in uh, countries uh, that are south of our border a lot of which are caused by our own policies down through the years. Because he doesn't have the, the ability to control it, he's going to fire her, pretend like she is, make her the fall woman. Uh, and uh, why she went along with him all this time, I do not know. But um, yeah, so it's hard to, for me to feel sorry for her. And it's just utter madness from Donald Trump on this issue. So Kirsten's gone and it is indeed spring cleaning time at the White House. Donald Trump also announced on Monday that he will remove the Secret Service Director Randolph Tex Alice from his position. Yeah. In a, in a statement, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders said that Alice had done a great job at the agency over the last two years and the president was thankful for his more than 40 years of service to the country. Well, that was really nice to hear. <laughs> what, what a nice statement What a today. bunch of deceitful stuff. Uh, listen, Alice was a uh, an associate of John Kelly, who had been the former uh, chief of staff. Uh, Kelly fell out of things with Trump, so now Trump's getting rid of everybody. Uh, I mean, this is not sound leadership from our president. This is just looking for scapegoats and firing. And by the way, there's this bizarre uh, side aspect to uh, Randolph Alice. D. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Randolph Alice has big ears. I don't know if you saw a picture of him. Yeah. And uh, so Trump, this is our president, folks. This is the man you elected. Gave 
demon nickname is Dumbo. Now, I actually saw Dumbo this weekend. Dumbo's a story about the elephant with the big ears who can fly. And talk about uplift. I saw the movie. Can you believe that? I actually saw it. You saw a movie? Yeah. Oh, wow. I saw two movies. Oh, my. Two? Who are you? (laughs) Anyway, I saw Dumbo. And the whole point of Dumbo is that bullies should not tease people by the way they look. That's like the theme that's existed from the first Dumbo in the 40s, whenever Disney first made it. It's like, this is what parents are supposed to tell their kids. Don't make fun of how people look. So this is our president, ladies and gentlemen. You know, he's like on the wrong side of the Dumbo theme. He'd be like one of the people, you know, the bad guys, like the Ursula Sea Witch type guys or women who would be making fun of Dumbo. Anyway, that's our president, folks. Now he's just throwing this guy out. By the way, there's so much problems with the Secret Service because Donald Trump insists on spending so many of his weekends at Mar-a-Lago. You can't give him adequate protection down there, D. So he blames uh, Randolph Fowler. I know. Let me just randomly pick somebody in Secret Service to blame because I insist on going to my resort every weekend. You know, for what it's worth, his ears are pretty big. But White House Senior Advisor Stephen Miller is helping pull the strings in all of this. He was recently given the keys on the Trump administration's border policy. And rumor has it Miller is also eyeing the removal of Lee Francis Cisna, Director of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services and Department of Homeland Security's General Counselor, uh, Counsel John Mitnick is expected to depart as well. And it looks like uh, Donald Trump is catching wind to all this. Yes, he sees the spin going on. <laughs> That's the spin. <laughs> While speaking in the Oval <laughs> Office today, Trump said he would not restart child separation at the border and then, well, did what he always does. Blamed Obama for the policy. Oh, he blamed Obama? Yeah. Uh, okay. By the way, so then if you're not going to restart it, why are you firing Nielsen? She was the one who implemented it when you ordered her to do so. Now you're firing her You say you're not going to bring it back. I don't know what you want her to do. I'm not defending her. I don't think she, I think she should have re, uh, resigned about a year ago rather than implement the uh, separation policies that Donald Trump wanted her to do. But this is just pointing the fingers. And, and uh, Stephen Miller... Man, that guy, that, let's not even talk about it. That's the kid when he was young in high school. Follow me on this one, D. I was reading, he was like the conservative of a liberal high school. And when the school said to uh, encourage students to um, clean up their mess in the cafeteria, throw their stuff out, he said, no, we have janitors who are paid to do that. I'm just going to leave my trash out there. Hey, how about that for a. <laughs> Just a warm, caring guy. No, we have a janitor who has to do that. I'm not helping him at all. Well, it was nice of you not to, like, dump it on the floor, I guess, Miller. You know what I mean? What's that, Donald Trump? No collusion. Huh? <laughs> We're going to have to. Okay. We got Monroe coming in tomorrow. We got a lot to unpack with him. Now, of course, we'll keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. Mm-hmm. Benny J. Yes, sir. Got a quick question. Okay. You ready to find out what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon? I was born ready. Love that answer. Fantastic answer, especially at this time, because coming up after this short little break, we're going to find out what else is news. I cannot wait. It's my favorite part of the day where the doctor plucks that little trick from his little sleeve. We'll see what it is when we return. When you lose a loved one whose wishes were to be cremated, Chicagoland Cremation Options provides your family a dignified and affordable cremation service. Chicagoland Cremation Options helps you bypass the expensive overhead of a funeral home or cemetery by streamlining the cremation directly. 
It saves you sometimes thousands of dollars. Chicagoland Cremation Options Crematory, just south of O'Hare, five minutes west of Chicago. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. You can find them at ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time, ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. Hey, welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Benny J, take it away. Yes, indeed. We are back, and we're going to do the local news. Before we do that, a little uh, local news update from our very own uh, Miles Porter, our in-house uh, editor. Miles, uh, first of all, you, how's your hand? He took a shot off the wrist this uh, weekend. At, he plays baseball, right? Plays baseball, yes, uh, yep. for Roosevelt. How's your hand? Your hand okay? Hand's good. It's okay. It's a little sore, but it's fine. Okay, so without him... Uh, Roosevelt was unable to win this weekend. Do I got that right? <laughs> In a rough weekend? Yeah, it was a rough weekend. Yeah. Rough weekend. Well, okay, yeah. but that's okay, Roosevelt. You know, there's ups and downs. That's how life goes. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, okay, speaking of rough weekends, uh, by the way, Maya has entered the studio. Maya has entered the studio. I always love it when my guests come early. Uh, speaking of rough weekends, the Cubs off to a rough start. You're a huge Cub fan. Uh, just try to, you know, what, what's your thoughts? Are you nervous? Are you worried? Do you think this is going to be a disastrous season, or do you think the Cubs are going to do okay? No, I think I think we're going to be fine. I think the issues that, as Cubs fans, we're very spoiled with this with this core group we have, and we've never really seen them struggle like this. Granted, they're off to the worst start that they've ever had since 1997. Wow. But, you know, I think it's just, you know, a bit of a slow start. I think there's still some kind of, like, you know, weariness from how last year ended, but... You know, you know, we're ten games into the season. It's okay. Everybody's starting to heat up. We're we're back in Wrigley. You know, they're back in their comfortable setting, so it's it's gonna be okay. Also, they had three series away, and this is their first home okay. game yesterday, which is one of the longest stretches. And you were there. Home, I was out. Yeah, I was there. Uh, all right. Now, uh, before we go to the locals, one quick question: Who will have a better year, the Chicago Cubs or Roosevelt's baseball team? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, all right. I guess that sums it all up. All right, Dr. T. We, that's time for the local news. What you all got right, for me, that's boy? That's your sports for the day, buddy. <laughs> oh, we're, no. We're about to find out what's going on Wait, locally. Wait, sport bulls talk. Uh, no, we're done. I'm sorry, okay. You had a lot there. We're about to find out what's going on locally. It's time for What Else is News. And today's What Else is News is brought to you by Aldermanic Prerogative, oh. Alderman Ed Burke, and Rule 14. What is that? Rule 14. Yes. Now that the political back alley fist fight is over, we can begin to tackle life after the 2019 Chicago runoff elections. In a matter of weeks, Rom will be out. Hallelujah. And Lori Lightfoot. (laughs) Lori Lightfoot will be our new mayor. But... What's next for our city council? Mm-hmm. We have quite a few new members. Right. How are they going to get along with the existing alderman? Yeah. What about that dude in the council who has federal charges against him and still <laughs> won his ward? Good what job. about that guy? Yeah. And how will Lightfoot work with all of them? Uh-huh. Yeah, if you couldn't tell, we have quite a few aldermanic stories to unpack here. So to all of our Chicago alderman listeners out there, crank it up. This one's for you, all right? <laughs> but Ben, before we get into that, mm-hmm. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. With our current mayor on his way out the door, on a one to five star scale, one being the lowest, five the highest, how many stars would you give Rahm Emanuel when it comes to working uh, his working relationship with the alderman in the Chicago City Council? And is there any advice you can give Lori Lightfoot in helping her get that oh-so-coveted Jarofsky five-star rating? All right, so one more time. Let me make sure I understand the rating system. Five is really good. One is really bad. Yes, can I go negative? No. <laughs> no. I can't say like negative you can five. Do like half. <laughs> I mean, he's terrible. 
You know, you know that uh, song by the Stones? Oh, way off, oh my God. I, as soon as I said it, I looked at a bunch of millennials. The Rolling Stones, they were banned in the 60s. Oh, yeah, we know who the Rolling Stones are. They had a song called Under My Thumb. Yeah, that's Rom's attitude about Alderman. He's got to be under his thumb, and he's got to be pushing the thumb down. And You were here just a couple weeks ago. Uh, Sue Garza, Alderwoman Sue Garza for the 10th Ward, good friend of this show, was talking about how in June she got a phone call for Rom. Her father had just died, and or her father died and Rom said you know what I'm going to name a school in your ward for your dad and she was like that's a really great thing what a great gesture Rom's not always uh, been that nice to Sue Garza she defeated his ally in the city council remember this D alright Lori Lightfoot pay attention to this one this is not how you deal with aldermen alright so yeah I'm going to do the right thing your dad was a great labor leader I'm going to name this school after your dad alright so there's a na- school naming ceremony Rom comes to it it's a great thing fast forward to the vote on Lincoln Yards Sue Garza is going to vote no she's going to vote against it. This is her. She's against spending TIF dollars, property tax dollars, and gentrifying neighborhoods. She's going to do what she thinks is the right thing. Rom calls her up and said, I named that school after your dad. Can you believe that, D? You either name the school after the dad because it was the right thing to do, or you name the school after the dad because you wanted to use it as a chit to get her to vote uh, for a TIF deal that she didn't want to vote for. I'll tell you what, man, that was pretty low. Uh, give Sukars a credit. She told him off pretty good, as she said on the show. She said, you name that school for a labor leader, not to swap it uh, for my vote on Lincoln Yards. So my advice to Lori Lightfoot, try to be a mensch at all times. Try to treat people the way you want to be treated. You know what I'm saying? Just basic 101 of civility in life. All right? So if you're going to name a school after a great labor leader, name the school after the labor leader. Don't try to turn it into a yes vote on a TIF deal. There you go. That's my advice. Hope nope. you're listening, Lightfoot. Taking notes. All right, now let's get into the updates. While Chicago aldermen like, of course, who else? Ed Burke, already <laughs> rumored to be plotting a council against her. By the way, if you're new to the city, welcome to Chicago. Yeah, there's people greasy enough to work with the guy that feds want to take down. But unlike Burke, there are some aldermen who aren't cutting deals against Mayor-elect Lightfoot quite yet. No, they just simply don't agree with her. The following comes from the Illinois political bulldogs over at Illinois Politico. Alderman Kerry Austin, pop quiz. Which word is Kerry Austin? 34th. Come on. Oh, what a nerd. Come on. What a nerd. All right. <laughs> Alderman Kerry Austin. For 10 trivia points, who was her predecessor? I don't care. Uh, Ice Cube. All right. 34. Nope. Ice Cube is not. 34th Ward Alderman It was Kerry. a good day. Oh, okay. Oh, Sports talk and singing. He wants all of you listening today, guys. 40, uh, 34th Ward Alderman Kerry Austin wants to make one thing clear. She's just fine with Mayor, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot moving into the fifth floor of City Hall. And she's just got a problem with that whole getting rid of aldermanic prerogative thing she mentioned during the election. Austin, who oversees the Committee on Budget and Government Operations, says aldermanic prerogative is essential to her ability to govern. Austin opposes ending aldermanic prerogative because, according to her, it opposes her community and residents. Ben, for those who may not know, what the hell is aldermanic prerogative, and is Carrie Austin right for feeling this All right, right, man. There's a lot to unpack there, and I'll probably have a deeper dive with this with Maya. This is one of her favorite topics as well. Uh, aldermanic prerogative, in general, is this notion that aldermen or older women should have the controlling influence on decisions in their ward, dealing with zoning, dealing with like uh, sidewalk cafes, dealing with awnings, dealing with 
anything that happens in their ward that requires city approval. The notion is, the, the, what the principle is, that the closer a person is to a ward, the more he or she will know about the ward and what's in the best interest of the ward and be able to work closely with the people of the ward. I mean, there's a reason why we have so many wards. The idea is to have local control, all right? That is the principle of aldermanic uh prerogative or aldermanic privilege. Uh, the reality is the way it plays out. If you give all that power to one person, it's easy to corrupt that person and they can start saying, all right, you want that awning for your restaurant? <laughs> what alderman that? I'm just, it's like oh. Alderman Ursula, oh, okay. all right? The mean alderman. Now you're doing an impression uh, of one of them. Yeah. And uh, so uh, you're going to have to kick in a little do re me to my campaign. All right. Or you're going to have to take that sign down of the person who's running against me. So it's something that could easily be corrupted. Now, as you know, D, I believe alderman prerogative is grossly distorted as an issue in this town. And if you want an evidence of that, I will take you to the vote on the 78. Follow me on this one, folks. 78 is a huge tiff deal. The Mayor Rahm is trying to shove down our throats as he runs out of office. I think it's $900 million. The current, that deal is in the 25th Ward. Guess what? There is no alderman of the 25th Ward right now. The alderman-elect, Byron Lopez, hasn't been sworn in yet. And the previous alderman, Danny Solis, has been disappeared. I think he's in federal federal witness protection program ever since it turned out he was uh, wearing a wire. All right, so uh, for the feds. So how can you have a vote on that huge TIF deal if there's no alderman to sign off on it. You know how? Because it doesn't matter what the alderman says on big things. They'll let alderman deal with things like awnings and you know whether uh, you can have an outdoor cafe. But when it comes to big things that the mayor wants, alderman and prerogative goes out the window. So folks, it's a manufactured issue. All right, and our final story comes from the one and only Fran the Woman Spielman of the Chicago Sun-Times. By the way, if you haven't yet, watch the Fran Spielman Show, chicago.suntimes.com. Fran writes, Mayor Rahm Emanuel has vowed to salvage his stalled ethics plan before leaving office. On Monday, the city council's rule committee met the retiring mayor at least part of the way by taking what you might call a baby step <laughs> toward reform. Baby steps. And, you know, with more indictments awaiting <laughs> Alderman Ed Burke and Alderman Danny Solis, uh, a little reform is welcomed. On Monday, Chicago Alderman agreed to three, count them three, relatively minor changes in city council. And as relatively minor as they may be, we're still going to talk about it. And we will begin with number one. Number one. <laughs> First change would require aldermen who block driveway permits, like oh. Burke allegedly did, while demanding legal business uh, from Burger King franchise <laughs> owner, to put their objections in writing. Oh. Ben, that'll help, right? Oh, my God. That is that's so funny. Like, you would think, you know, like shaking a guy down in and of itself would be uh, illegal. You shouldn't do it. But yeah, I, I, I guess, you know, since we can't expect an alderman to resist, or this particular alderman, to resist uh, shaking down a, a Burger King uh, franchisees, yes, we should put it in writing. If you have an objection, this gets into what I was saying before. If you have an objection to someone's request, for in this case, uh, curb cut, you put it in writing. So you're right. You specify the objection as opposed to just shaking the guy down. So although, if you're going to shake them down, you're going to shake them down. So I don't know what the writing is going to do about the shaking down. If you follow what I just said. All right. We're moving on to number two. Oh, <laughs> at the wrong one. Number two. There we go. Uh, the second city council change would strengthen what's known 
as Rule 14. Ooh, Ben, tell us about Ooh. Rule 14. All right. I get all my rules mixed up, but I think Rule 14, and Maya will correct me if I'm wrong, is the one where you have, if you have a um, conflict of interest, you have to recuse yourself. You cannot vote on it. And so Ed Burke, uh, Mr. Burke, the for, aforementioned uh, chairman of the Finance Committee for like 50,000 years, was always rec- invoking Rule 14 as they came to a vote. All right. So, for instance, he had a property tax business. Follow me in this, everybody. This is your city government at work. He, uh, in addition to being alderman, in addition to being the finance chair, in addition, in addition to being a very powerful Democratic committeeman who helped slate judges, he has a property tax business. And he represents a big downtown uh, real estate interests who are seeking to get their property taxes lowered. So many times, those are the same people who are coming before the city council for like a TIF deal. Like he was representing for a while Sterling Bay, which had its paw out for a TIF deal. So you would think that as the chairman of the finance committee would have announced that, said, you know what, I cannot oversee the ap- the application of this group for their TIF handout because I'm representing them on their property tax break. But no, he doesn't really announce it, doesn't have to announce it. It's only when it comes to a final vote, he has to say, I cannot vote because of I must recuse myself. So this reform, which is like, what a joke that this, we even have to, this isn't already been implemented, would require him up at front to say I cannot take a stand on this matter because of this potential this conflict of interest so hey I think it's a good idea ask Maya what she thinks about it when we bring her on as well all right it's time for our third and final quote-unquote relatively minor city council rule change number three (laughs) the third change would prohibit campaign contributions from individuals with quote matters involving city resources before the city council for six months before and after the request is considered yeah well that would make sense uh that would be yeah if, you, if you're gonna have your paw out looking for some tiff money for the city for instance you shouldn't kick in some campaign contribution contributions because it looks bad so uh that makes sense yeah so i can abide by that but uh i don't know bad behavior is bad behavior in the city of chicago i guess these rules are intended to curb people to get them to do uh force them to do what they should be doing anyway so there you are just like that you're now in the know of what's going on in chicago and now you will have an answer the next time someone asks you hey what else is news let me tell you something okay i want to tell you something that randolph alice the director of Secret Service uh, for okay. Donald Trump, but sure. not for much longer. Sure. Randolph Scott, the great actor, and John Randolph, a good friend of mine. They all agree. Hey, John. <laughs> you did a great job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Maya's sitting here ready to come on. We'll bring her on right after this. And hey, everybody. We're having a caption contest right now. Head over to the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page, at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J. Show. Leave us a caption. It's a Mayor Rom welcoming Lori Lightfoot into the Mayor's Office caption contest. Once again, it's the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page. We're going to announce our winner at the end of today's program. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. 
Where can you download The Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V is in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. break over welcome back to the ben jarofsky show live from the chicago sun Times. yes indeed uh <laughs> oh i was trying to say maya and indeed and i said yes india uh bad talking is not as easy as it looks our today. host ladies and gentlemen <laughs> uh yes indeed maya is in the studio maya dukmasova i'm here She's in the studio. She's doing something feverishly. She's doing some crack research as we speak. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to give you the latest update on the three wards, ah, okay. uh, three aldermanic elections that are still too close to call. Uh, I think a lot of pe- people may not be aware that uh, election results aren't certified until April 16th. I didn't so we've know, got okay. another basically this whole week and into next week before we have official final results because uh, the Board of Elections has to count um, late arriving mail-in ballots. All right. Before you do that, I just want to say this. Maya and I had a blast, capital B-L-A-S-T. Let's just take a moment to reflect on the good things in life. Uh, Last Tuesday uh, at um, Mars over in Bridgeport, it was a great time. You can watch it on our Facebook uh, uh, feed on uh, all our various Facebook pages, the Ben Drosky Show Facebook page and the Reader Facebook page and the uh, Maya Super Cool Facebook page. (laughs) Do we have a Maya Super Cool Facebook page yet? Oh, we got to get one. No, we we don't have that yet. uh, a great time was had by all, and uh, it was a blast, Maya. All right, now uh, now do the deep dive for us. All right, so the three boards that still, uh, the results are basically too close to call uh, mm-hmm. officially. We got the fifth ward where Leslie Harrison uh, is being challenged by Will Calloway. So the latest results I have are from yesterday. And the account was uh, 6,830 6, votes for Leslie and 6,660 votes for Will Calloway. So that's, I mean, honestly, compared to the others, this is a pretty wide gap. This is yeah. over, this is over a hundred votes. And, um, you know, it's, I would bet that it will stay that the margin will stay about that. Mm-hmm. All right. Then we have the 33rd ward where we've got, uh, Rosana Rodriguez Sanchez, who is challenging Deb Mel, a very heated contest. And the results are that Rosana is still in the lead with 5,732 votes. And Deb Mel has 5,717. Wow. So we're talking about less than 20 votes, right? Am I counting right? Uh, yeah. 15 yeah. votes. Yes. 
That's it, this okay. Let just, just I'm gonna put a pause votes. on this. This is why it is so important to vote for your aldermen to participate in municipal elections. There is no other arena in which your vote counts more than in electing your alderman. There's not for president. You, I mean, folks, you live in, if you're listening and you're a resident of Chicago, Illinois, your vote does not count for much in the large scheme of things for, in terms of electing a president, in terms of electing a senator. I mean, these are, it's important to participate in voting for those offices, but, but, you get to choose legislators for the third largest city in this country, people who, whether or not they actually propose their own laws and do any legislating, are still the people who approve laws that sometimes then lead to be, you know, to they form the baseline of all kinds of national policy initiatives. So this, this is really important. The fact that you are, that we're talking about margins of 15 votes, 20 votes, three votes sometimes, like this is, this is why, this is why it's really, really important to vote for aldermen. All right. So, uh, let me just say one thing before you <laughs> yeah. move on. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly, 100% with what you said, but I'm just saying, that sounds like vote shaming. That sounds like vote shaming. Remember, we said no vote shaming. All right. All what right. Do you say about it's, that? it's, I'm just, I, you know what? I'm going to, what I'll say is good on you if you have voted. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing the Pavlovian, you know, uh, like, uh, what is it? So Positive not, reinforcement. So you're not shaming the people who didn't vote. You're positively Listen, reinforcing. I'm, what I'm saying is that I understand if you don't feel invested in voting, if you don't feel like it matters, if you don't want to do it, if you feel like it's pointless and hopeless. I understand that oftentimes the choices between these candidates are basically it's non-existent. You're choosing between two people who are going to be the same. But just if you feel like your vote doesn't really count when it comes to these aldermanic elections your vote definitely counts Fair that's enough. my point Fair that's enough. my point okay. all right and then the last race we're still vo- watching very closely is the 46th ward where james kappelman is still leading by uh 27 votes it looks like 7037 when marianne lalonde his challenger has 7014 Yes. So it's crazy because the 23, 23. Yeah. So the margin there, that 23 vote spread has, has, uh, stayed the same since election night, because when we wrapped up our, our election night broadcast, it was, they were 23 votes apart. So this is, it's kind of insane that like, as they're counting, like there's hundreds more, uh, votes tallied at this point than there were last Tuesday night. But, um, the 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 difference is still the same and so explain to folks uh what did you mean by votes tallied uh, exactly what's going on what's the process well there were i mean it's basically the mail mail-in ballots are still arriving and so they 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 keep counting the votes so i think where we left it last tuesday night was that there was like si- both of them had six thousand something votes and oh, you're talking about kappelman and kappelman the line right the and now it's war. like now both of them are in the seven thousands but the that but they're still 23 votes apart so i mean this this sort of um the uh apparently in general uh absentee ballots or mail-in ballots it there's not they they tend to be representative of the electorate as a whole in other words there's not like 
you can't really make predictions based on like, oh, there's like thousands of absentee ballots and the people who send in absentee ballots tend to vote like this way or that. The people who send in absentee ballots tend to vote the same way as everybody else. Mm. So the results are in, 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 I guess, like, especially in larger elections with tons and tons of when, when numbers are huge, like we're talking about president, whatever big, big kind of governor's elections, um, the results from the abs- the absentee ballots don't tend to change the outcome they tend to just you know it's like the num- the numbers go up but the difference does the the there's not they don't make that much of a difference mm-hmm. however because we're talking about on um, differences on the order of a couple of like a, a, a couple of dozen ballots mm-hmm. um i still i feel like this is so granular that you know it could it could still go. It's still a toss up, basically. It's twenty. Do you know how many uh, absentee ballots or mail in ballots are still left? I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I don't have that latest number. And then uh, then there's a process, is there not, to recount? To if they can call for yeah, the recount. candidates can call for a recount if it's close enough. Um, I don't know the last time that there was an uh, a recount in the aldermanic, but yeah, it could happen. I want to say, and don't quote me anybody because I'm doing this off the top of head, and this is very dangerous. Uh, back in uh, 2015, Sugarza, there was I think there was a recount in hers, but don't quote me on that one. All right, okay. Maya. Okay, I won't quote you. Uh, um, I just said it anyway, but don't quote me. All right. But speaking of aldermen, mm-hmm. uh, I want to get back to what you were talking about earlier with aldermanic prerogative and this, like, exi- you know, Lori Lightfoot talking about wanting to have an executive order getting rid of aldermanic prerogative. Uh, I was tweeting about this last week, mm-hmm. but like. What pe- what people have to understand is that Lori Lightsfoot's or any Chicago mayor's position on aldermanic prerogative is basically irrelevant to whether or not it continues because aldermanic prerogative is a customary practice that is within the legislative branch of our of, of the city government. So it's the city council, the alderman's prerogative. It's their customary practice. It's not a law that you can just get rid of. It's something that they all do. It's a custom. So an executive order from the executive of the city is not like doesn't have any kind of legal sway over whether or not they're going to get rid of this customary practice. Now, uh, the executive could file a lawsuit, and there have been there. There's currently a lawsuit filed by a bunch of affordable housing advocates and uh, civil rights groups that are trying to challenge the, uh, the 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 aldermanic prerogative custom on the basis of it being used to discriminate by aldermen rejecting affordable housing uh, proposals in their wards. So. You, th- there is a way that you could probably, um, you know, through litigation, get to a point, or or and or maybe through city council consensus. But that would mean that the city, the aldermen, would have to decide to give up their aldermanic prerogative. But there's a way that you can change city laws to say that, like, you cannot exercise it in order to block, uh, for example, a, a, an affordable an affordable housing development from going forward. Uh, but this is very, very complicated because there's already this, the, the, uh, the way the city law is structured, there is no such thing as aldermanic prerogative. Absolutely. And so I don't even know if you could. On paper. Yeah. All right. Let's, I mean, this emerges an issue in this last uh, go around to a large degree because of which that uh, the affordable housing uh, showdown in the 41st Ward, I think it was, you wrote yeah. about it many times, uh, Alderman Napolitano, uh, who is the local alderman, the 41st Ward, uh, used his influence, and I'm putting this in air quotes, folks, uh, through alderman and prerogative to block 
um, the construction of affordable housing in his ward. Yes, and what it, he how he, the way he le- did it is that he uh, was against this housing development. And he convinced the city council zoning committee, mm-hmm. his his colleagues, to not allow a zoning change for mm-hmm. the developer that the developer needed to build this apartment building. So there, so he basically the 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 prerogative, the courtesy happens in this informal way where the alderman goes to his colleagues on the zoning committee and then you know to the rest of council to say like do not vote yes on this zoning change. So even though on paper the way it works is that uh, a developer has to apply with the city department of planning and development. This is an executive branch department. Mm-hmm. They have to provide a bunch of information. They have to get a permit to get a zoning change. They have to like present all these plans. And then the city council zoning committee first for actually it's first, it's a plan commission. And then it's a zoning committee that have to approve these zoning changes. And then the full city council votes on it. And usually they just, you know, they just approve it, whatever the zoning committee decided, they just affirm that. And that's how you get your zoning change. Okay. So nowhere in that process on paper, the way the legal process here works, the alderman doesn't technically have any kind of participation in that. Mm-hmm. But because of this aldermanic prerogative custom, the idea is that the alder, the, the zoning committee and the rest of the council, they vote the way that the alderman wants. So mm-hmm. if the alderman doesn't want there to be this zoning change granted, then his buddies are on the city council are not going to vote for it. And what I would add to the, everything you just said is that the alderman only, in the way it's been done up to now, we'll see what happens with Mayor Lightfoot. Uh, The aldermen have been given that prerogative only in instances where the mayor either doesn't care Mm -hmm. or is siding with them. So, for instance, let's go to the affordable housing issue. Yeah, Mayor Rahm doesn't care about that. Mayor Rahm does not care about affordable housing in Chicago. He's made that clear. Well, and he especially doesn't care about a luxury apartment building in the 41st Ward that might have 30 units of affordable housing. He did not have any kind of horse in that race. Right. So, he uh, that essentially allowed uh, Napolitano to exercise his quote-unquote right. automated prerogative. Right. If Rom cared about that issue, the Palatano yes. would not have automated. That's why I keep saying it's a phony issue that we make such a big deal about it that it's really the way it was under the Rom, and we'll see how it goes down under Mayor Lightfoot. It'd be interesting, Maya, if they switch the, the rules on Mayor Lightfoot. But the way it went down, if Rom said, you know, I really want that complex to go. It would have been a fort. Napolitano would have buckled. I'm telling you right now, we saw it. We're seeing it happen right now. Well, I mean, Napolitano, it doesn't even matter because he could have still voted no on it, but it doesn't matter. He, he, the, the mayor doesn't need like the uh, the local alderman doesn't have any authority in, in any on paper I in understand the law. What you're saying. So so what Ron would have done, he, even if the local alderman would have been against it, he would have gone around and whipped up all the votes he needed. Yeah. And as much as Rom loves a, you know, a universal consensus on something, like he could have had 49 votes to approve this thing and one vote from the local alderman against it, and that would have been that. It would have yeah. been passed. Well, it would have been interesting uh, showdown. We're seeing, uh, I was saying this earlier, we're seeing this in the um, in the case of the 78. The 78 is a huge TIF plan that Rom wants to shove down our throats before he leaves office in the uh, South Loop at Roosevelt, roughly uh, Roosevelt and uh, what is it, Clark Street. Anyway, big track of undeveloped land. Ron wants to turn it into a TIF district so he could earmark uh, property tax dollars to help develop it. All right. Uh, the current alderman of that ward uh, is somewhere, we don't know where, Danny Solis, uh, ever since the story broke that he was wearing a wire, he's disappeared. 
All right. The the incoming alderman, uh, Byron Sisho Lopez, says he does not want that approved. All right. So alderman a prerogative would dictate that it not get approved. Guess what? I don't I've never heard Mayor Rahm. Uh, Patrick O'Connor, the Finance Committee, mm-hmm. Danny uh, David Reifman, who is the charge of the Planning Department, say at, say that they care one whit about what the incoming alderman. Yeah, right. Well, so he's alderman not yet the alderman. Yeah, so alderman and prerogative only exists when the mayor lets it exist, and that's why I say it's a yeah. phony issue. Yeah, it's true, and I mean, uh, you also see it being like. Leverage in all kinds of ways to where the the mayor can get cover, you know, if he has the support of the local alderman to push whatever it is that he wants. And this is like a classic situation. This is what we saw with the cop academy. You know, Emma Mitz was like gung ho. I you know I don't know what what you know what cart came before which horse. If 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 Ram approached her and was like, listen, this is where we're putting this. We need you on board for this. Or if they said, hey, we want to put this here. How do you feel about it? And she was like, yes, this is great. Uh, but whatever the case may be, like there are people, but even though this was Mayor Rahm's thing, there were still other aldermen who would not vote against the Cop Academy because they said Emma Mitz supported it. And they didn't want to vote against something she wanted right. in her ward. Right. So, uh, you know, it, yes. So this is a phony issue. It's a, it's kind of a, it's a slippery issue. It's something that because it's a customary practice rather than a matter of actually like something written down in the city law, it's going to be very hard to root out. It's very, it's very, um, it, it, it would be a very long court process battle, whatever, to get rid of this. And because it all operates informally already, mm-hmm. it will, it, it'll be, yeah. It'll I be can make hard. the argument. I could make an argument that an alderman uh, or older woman should have a significant say on a development. So, like for instance, if you reduce approval of a product, a process of a zoning request to simply whether it checks off all the requirements that the city has, you're taking out an element that probably cannot be. Um, cannot be overseen by that process so it could be that i don't making stuff up as i go along that 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 if that the zoning law that would allow a certain building of a certain height at a at a certain specific block may create a shadow uh that would hurt other neighborhoods around it or may impede a fire uh, station's ability to get its fire engines out there may be Mm -hmm. practical considerations that have to be taken into account Mm -hmm. before you sign off on it but that just going down a list, a laundry list, if you will, of whether it fits the city's requirement will not, uh, it will not recognize that if you follow what I'm saying. And that's why I think you should have the alderman there as rep. That's why we have 50 of them. You know what I'm saying? Right. We have 50 of these guys or women because we're well, supposed to. Well, and I mean, and there's even the, even like the, uh, the, the folks who are behind this lawsuit uh, that, that's trying to challenge the way that aldermanic prerogative is getting used to block affordable housing. Those people are also saying, you know, like this is like it we have to recognize that there is a good use for this too it can be used for good like you know it's the it's the local community that can tell the because the you know the the alderman napolitan in the 41st ward his justification for using his prerogative to block that zoning change to allow that apartment building to be built was because that's what the people in his ward wanted and so similarly people can people in the ward can organize and get the alderman to like change you know whatever the sidewalks so they're that so they're they can accommodate uh people with disabilities they can they can they can make you know there's myriad ways that you can put positive use this as a 
a positive pressure point. Mm. But the point is that I think people are trying to find a way to remove this from the process of something as important as equitably creating and distributing affordable housing throughout the city. Um, but to your question about how Lori Lightfoot is going to be handling this, I think, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see, like, this whole thing with this Lincoln Yards uh, vote, the, you know, the statement that she put out a couple of days ago that's like, let's have a discussion about it, uh, you know, and then what ends up happening is that there's a many, many hours of discussion, and then it still gets put on the agenda for a vote mm -hmm. tomorrow, yeah. right? So there's going to be a hurried up kind of finance committee uh uh, meeting in the morning before the full city council meeting. Now, we all know Mayor Rahm doesn't put anything up for a vote if he doesn't know he has the votes. So my feeling, I mean, this is very, I don't know, maybe I'm too cynical, but what I think <laughs> is going to happen tomorrow is that all these subsidies for these gigantic, you know, developments are going to get approved. That, that, that all of this was a dog and pony show. And uh, earlier you asked me, you know, like what, what's going on here with Lori? How come we haven't seen another statement? What like, you know, what what's her position on this? Because all she said is she wants more discussion she hasn't actually said if she's against giving these subsidies to these developers we don't know we don't well, she know she sort of said that when she came on my show and she sort of said that when she was at the hideout but that was why candidate. sort of well <laughs> because nobody a guy like me would never get elected mayor of the city of chicago you can't have a firm position yeah and now it's even more now it's even more cagey right so yeah. i think that uh Yes. What well, the way she talked about it at the hideout was the way she talks a lot about a lot of issues, which is in this very lawyerly way, which is that like you talk a you you talk about you don't you don't actually say what your position is on an issue. You say like, oh, well, let's talk about it some more. Let's talk about it some more is not the same thing as saying this is I don't think this is a good idea. Let's not do this. So and and a lot of you know a lot of the 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 Lori stands on 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 social media are like celebrating her for uh for like taking a bold stance against these deals and it's like she hasn't taken any stance she's just like let's talk about it some more yeah we still don't know what her stance is no you know what this reminds me of uh this is our local version of what donald trump did with brett kavanaugh you remember this where um the democrats when word started breaking oh god i was so into this story when word started breaking that uh, supreme court nominee brett kavanaugh had um been accused of um almost sexual rape, sexual assault, assault yeah. when when he was a kid in, in high school. Uh, the Democrats said, we need to uh, we need to hear the, his accuser uh, come forward and, and give an opportunity to testify. And so everything came down to that hearing. And then as soon as the hearing was, it was basically the accuser said he did it, he said he didn't do it, and then the Republicans said, well, we had our hearing, now we're going to elect them. Yeah. Okay? So um, we're here in Chicago, fast forward, uh, Lori Lightfoot says, well, we need uh, we need a little more time to discuss this thing. So they give 48 hours, because the discussion, she issued that statement on Sunday, mm -hmm. following your timeline. Monday, they had a city council hearing, I guess... Then Wednesday, they're going to schedule a vote. Yeah. So that's the equivalent of the Brett Kavanaugh. Oh, we yeah. had the hearing. Boom. Now we're right. Right. And you know what? And, and just to loop it back to the alderman and, and this whole situation, <laughs> I just can't. I just I would, it would be remiss not to bring this up. I feel like I, I completely missed the story last week in the heat of all the election you know, results, uh, which is that Rick Munoz, 
who is about to not be alderman of the 22nd Ward because uh, he said he wasn't running for re-election after being arrested for domestic violence on New Year's Eve. And, you know, all his problems with his drinking came out to light. So uh, he is still in city council. And he was there yesterday during this discussion in finance committee. So last week, another story breaks that Rick Munoz was taking money from the Progressive Caucus account and using it on restaurant meals and sex toys and like adult videos and lingerie or whatever. And, uh, you know, now he's saying he's paying it back according to the story it was in sometimes uh on on the fourth so uh (laughs) we have some aldermen trading zoning favorable zoning changes for viagra we have other aldermen uh using progressive caucus money to you know i don't know buy sex toys and and uh and and meals at italian restaurants in the one in the suburbs and this 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 dude who's about to be out of office yesterday when uh brian hopkins the second word alderman that's where that's where the lincoln yards you know development would be when you know he's he, he was crying out for a vote on it yesterday and the only second he got was from rick munoz mm-hmm. What, which my question is like, what do, what, somebody's got something more on Rick Munoz that we can't even fathom yet because that like his behavior around like support, like what does he have to win or to lose in order to come out of the 11th hour like this and so demonstrably show that he wants this deal to go through? Yeah. No, it doesn't make any sense Rick to me. Minos, uh, just so everybody knows, uh, for years and years and years was one of the, what they called an independent or progressive alderman. In other words, he was one of the few aldermen willing to uh, vote against a mayor's budget. Now, just so you know, Maya, I know you know this, so listeners, I'll tell you this. Rick was notorious for swapping votes. And he bragged about it. He liked it. I used to tease him uh, that he was a David Axelrod of the Southwest side. He was always wheeling and dealing <laughs> yeah. and, and cutting deals. And so swapping his vote for this. So you'd say, well, you have this principle about, let's say, alderman and prerogative, but all of a sudden you voted for the mayor on the Children's Museum. And he goes, Ben, you should see when I got for it. That kind of so, thing. So yeah, what, I mean, at this point, he, I don't know what he could possibly get for anyone. And and I, oh, He's again, about to leave office. Right, yeah. there wasn't really a vote yet. Yesterday, but to 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 publicly kind of declare his support to uh, with you know Brendan Riley, I mean with uh, Brian Hopkins on this Lincoln Yard stiff to like show his cards to say that like yeah I want this vote to happen I want this deal to go through that's like saying a lot about himself and it seems like a weird public position to take one for an outgoing alderman and two like what yeah what are you getting for it that's Maya Dukmasova I'm Ben Jarofsky we're going to continue this conversation when we return. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at ChicagoReader.com. That's ChicagoReader.com. 
Hey, everybody. Hour number two of the Ben Jarofsky Show is underway. But before we get into said hour number two, we'd like to thank the following unions for making the show possible. The International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. And the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Thank you once again to those unions for jumping on board with us. And of course, today's show is brought to you by the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two. Let's go. It is Tuesday, April 9th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Reader Studios on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we still got Maya Dukmasova in studio. We're talking Lincoln Yards and more with Mr. Bike, David Glowatz. Yeah, we're probably going to talk about bikes. And we welcome Congressional Democratic Committeeman, the one, the only, Peter Jenko. And now your host, not a committeeman, <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. I am not a committeeman, but I am a bike rider, as is Maya, and as is Dave Glowatz. We're going to bring Mr. Glowatz on in a little while. Maya, I've twisted her arm to stay because... If she has to leave, she has to leave. But this conversation really is in her wheelhouse. So if she can stay, I'd love to have her participating with Dave as we take the deep dive in Lincoln Yards. But if she has to go, I understand she's busy. She's Maya, all right? The What is it? The marvelous Ms. Maya, all right? But, uh-oh, wait. Hold on, D. I have to support an announcement. What is that? Okay. Uh, remember Let's this from the, the old show? Independent journalist Dave Glowatz reports on local government at shygov.com. One more time, everybody. C-H-I-G-O-V.com. He's also Mr. Bike, a bicycling instructor and author of the best-selling paperback, Urban Bikers Trips and Tips. All right? Tricks. What did I say? Trips. Oh. <laughs> Come on, Gerard. Ah, kind of a trip when wait, you say it. Wait, time out. Way. Did you bring your bell? Oh, man. I <laughs> yeah. love it when he rings that bell, baby. Um, I love it when you call me Big Pop. No, oh, oh, sorry. Um, anyway, uh, so before we got, take a deep dive on Lincoln Yards, you got an update for me, young uh, man? We're kind of all over the place. Just go ahead and uh, get with the interviews right, there. We'll we'll take, come, uh, at 2.30, we'll come back. And all right, so I've uh, twisted Maya's arm in the stang, and um, we're taking the deep dive on Lincoln Yards. All right. Uh, Dave, I just want to say, but I didn't know you were that kind of fan of Biggie. That's on some other level. Wow. You are much longer, younger than you seem, man. That's the one rapper. That's the one. Hey, wait a minute. I knew Ice Cubes. Oh, yeah. Ice Cubes. Ice Cubes. (laughs) Plural. No, Ice Cubes song, I was going to say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good day. Anyway, you know that song? It was way before your time. Actually. I know that song, Ben. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, it was. I was going to say it's it's way before your time, but then when, I love it when you call me Big Papa. It was like, I think before you were born. No, but uh, you're you're flattering me. No, I, it was not before I was okay. born. Well, whatever. We'll uh, uh, we'll look that up later. Dave Glatt, huge fan of Ice Cube, and one Ice Cube in uh, Manhattan. All right, uh, all right. So uh, we were talking before while you were working your way up the stairs or wherever you were. 
um, to our beautiful... By the way, what about this studio, huh, Mr. Bike? Dave Glowitz. I must say I'm really happy to be with you again on uh, your journey. On my uh, journey, uh, right. (laughs) My journey's had a few bumps along the way, but here I am. You got fired. And and this is all yours, too. You don't have to share it with anybody. Uh, Well, I share it with uh, Dr. I mean, you guys don't have to share it with anybody. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, it is sweet. It's a beautiful place, and uh, I'm very lucky. And we Uh, could curse, right? If you want to curse, you can curse. It's a podcast. Yeah, no one's going to that dirty sailor, Monroe Anderson. Yeah, Monroe Anderson will be here Wednesday. Oh, my God. you got to really watch him. Uh, but I'm the, just like wondering, you know, what yeah. is the restriction? When you were at WCPT, what words could you not say? You couldn't say fuck. Oh, yeah. okay. Here we go. You definitely couldn't say fuck Tony Brown. Oh, okay. Whoa. Could you say, could you say piss? Uh, could I? I don't know. He was the guy yeah, who always say put, that. He, would, say that. he was the one who pushed the button. Back in the old days, I get nervous when somebody would swear like Luis Gutierrez dropped the S. I still won't swear. I, I taught myself not to swear while talking into a microphone, and I just don't do it. So okay. Does it feel a little dirty when I say those things? Yeah, I'm like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. you know, you're the, that newspaper that you have spread in front of you, the Sun Times, I noticed, right one home delivered printed the word piss a couple weeks ago when Superintendent Eddie Johnson, the police superintendent, was reacting to the uh, Jesse Smollett revelations. He 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 made a, he had a press conference that he said, "We're really pissed off about this." And the the, the Times printed it instead of putting P. Oh, right, hyphen, right, hyphen, hyphen, hyphen. And the yeah. Tribune did that, too. And I was like, didn't I get the memo? When did they start doing this? I don't know. They right, just, right? Well, the New York well, the Reader t- has always been doing it. Yeah, well, man, sure. But- we were doing it long before it was fashionable, okay? Because we're the Reader. And I love it when you call me Big Papa. <laughs> um, but I don't know what that had to do with anything. Uh, but uh, if you want to swear, feel... Well, you've already sworn, so <laughs> if you, hell you just swear. continue uh, where you are. But uh, anyway, that's Mr. Bike, and uh, he's kind of a radical guy. All right, so Maya and I were talking be, uh, before you were ushered in uh, to the studio about um, what's going on in the city council. Maya was in particular uh, telling me something about Rick Minos' uh, appearance yesterday at the Finance Committee where he was willing to second... Low-key appearance as well. You know, okay. Until that moment. All right, so be, moving away from Rick for the moment, uh, talk about... As many people want to do. Yeah, well, you were there, right? You yeah. were at the, you're our ace. All six hours. Uh, all six hours. So tell folks, what happened at that finance committee meeting yesterday on Lincoln Yards in 78? Well, uh, cue, uh, could you cue the, the uh, Hopkins clip there, Dennis? We'll, we'll get to that. They'll, they'll be very uh, nice, revealing. Nice. Um, this, as far as the Lincoln Yards TIF, which is called uh, the Cortland Chicago River mm-hmm. Tax Increment Financing District or Redevelopment Plant Area, um, this was this finance committee meeting was the uh, the penultimate step. In other words, if the TIF district had gotten approved at this meeting, then it would go for the final step, the full city council vote, and then it would be law. And the um, report was that if it had gotten approved yesterday, it would go to the full city council meeting tomorrow mm-hmm. because the new mayor comes in in April, um, May 2nd, rather. Um, but right before the meeting, the uh, mayor, Mayor Emanuel, issued a statement saying that um, he was going to acquiesce to Mayor-elect Lightfoot in delaying the TIF and uh, see what, what she wanted to do. So this... This resulted then when people showed up at this for this uh, 10 a.m. meeting, aldermen were frantically huddling, trying to figure out what do we do about this. They were like, and so the meeting did not start at 10 o'clock. It started around 10:40, and in the meantime, 
while people were, you know, the, the activists were celebrating like, woo, you know, we're getting this thing, fortune back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wait, is that your invitation of an activist? <laughs> most of Rich the acti- Little here in the studio. Most of the activists had uh, yeah. contraltos, yeah. Okay. Um, but meanwhile, Alderman Brian Hopkins of the second ward in which Lincoln Yards resides mm-hmm. was not having it. So he had a uh, impromptu press conference where he said exactly how he felt about this. I can tell you the aldermen, every one of them, including the most ardent opponents, have been adequately briefed on this project. We've laid out in great detail all of the nuances, the subtleties. It's a very complex project. They've they've been presented with all the details. Their questions have been answered. Some of them have determined it's not worthy of their support because of that, but a majority have determined that it is worthy of support because of that. That's why we're having this vote today. But, Brian, why not let the new council and the new mayor move forward with this when there has been so much controversy around it. A legislative body doesn't work that way. When you have the support, that's when you call for the vote. That's what we're supposed to do. I'm not going to intentionally give the opponents of Lincoln Yards extra support for their position because I disagree with it. It's the wrong thing to do to the city of Chicago. Just like when New York City walked away from Amazon and said, no, thank you. We don't want all those jobs. And there's a backlash to that today. There's an outcry when people realize what folly that is. I won't let that happen here. This is the right thing to do for the city of Chicago. It's a no-brainer. It's the right thing for the city. I'm standing up for it. We need to do this now. We, we shouldn't be capitulating to the opponents who are misguided, misinformed, and in many cases are motivated by the wrong reasons. I don't believe that they should prevail today. The right side should prevail, and that's why we're going to pass this thing. You're going to call for the vote? I can't do that. I'm not in the Finance Committee. What is the mechanism? I have not spoken to Alderman O'Connor, but as I said, he's been a fair chairman his entire career. I don't see that changing at one of his last meetings as a member of this body. He will allow it to go forward. But what, what is the mechanism for having it go forward if... It's called a do-pass motion. It's just a motion to do-pass and then a vote before the body. Who's going to carry it for you if you're not a member? Actually, there's, there's a few that have asked me that, you know, if, if they could be the ones, so we'll see. All right, let me just say one thing. I have to say one thing. Oh, my God. Don't get me started. Quote, he said, New York City walked away from Amazon. We don't want those jobs. Folks, that is not what happened. That is not and what I, happened. Amazon walked away from New York City because New York City dared, dared Maya, dared Dave, no, but even, dared to say, we want to look at the fine points of the contract and the deal but, that was cut. And, and and on top of that, it was the New York City, it's the opposite of what he's purporting it to be. It was, they had approved this thing and then there was an uprising of people who said, no, we don't want this. And then the council was moving in the direction of doing the right thing, which is listening to this up, uproar of people. And then Amazon walked, walked away. away. New York did not walk away from Amazon. Amazon walked away from New York because New York was daring to take a look at the fine points of a deal that had been cut behind closed doors by the mayor of New York City and the governor of New York City of New York State. And that people finally said, can we take a look at what we're paying for? So that is, it, there is a comparison, uh, Dave, between what ha- went down in New York with Amazon and what's going down in Chicago. In other words, a deal has been cut in the city of Chicago that the people of the city of Chicago really don't understand how it affects them and impacts them. And he wants Brian Hopkins to uh, shove it through the city council before there can be more scrutiny on it, how it impacts them. That and and there is an Amazon backstory for Lincoln Yards as well because Sterling Bay, the developer of Lincoln Yards, after the Amazon call for proposal, 
proposals went out and the city declared these what six or eight locations to uh two in the suburbs and the rest in the city you know like michael reese and uh north branch and um uh the 78 as potential sites for the 78 secretly Sterling Bay put together a package for Amazon with beautiful color illustrations with showing proposed buildings in Lincoln Yards for Amazon mm-hmm. saying come to Chicago yeah. you know and uh, that that eventually got leaked but right. they were they were running around in the background trying to make it happen absolutely so in each instance in, in both with New York and with Chicago they were wooing Amazon and you're right you're absolutely correct uh, Lincoln Yards would have been shoved to the side if Amazon had said they want to uh, come to that site then we'd be talking about the Amazon deal in this general Well, area. I don't know if it was shoved to the side. It would just take on a very different dimension. It would have this, you know, it would have even more of, a, the, of the rushing train, uh, if that's possible, element to it. All right. It would have been uh, uh, whatever project they have for that area would have been centered around, structured around an Amazon uh, headquarters. Okay, fair enough. All right. So uh, let's talk about it. Boy, did I get fired up when I heard him say, we're not going to be like New York walked away. New York finally had some oversight. No, no, no. He was saying, no, he was saying that what happened in New York was the right thing that New York walked away from Amazon and that that was the right thing to do and approving Lincoln Yards is the right thing to do and therefore we shouldn't succumb to... The- no, I no, think... What, yeah, oh yeah my, your face are, right now, your brain is turning inside <laughs> out and it should because that's exa- this was like the classic flipping the script double speak bullshit absolutely hey whoa everybody's swearing now on the bench don't get pissed off all right so let's talk about so all right so they held off there was no uh there was no vote uh on it was was a little bit of drama eventually when the meeting started at about 10 40 the chair alderman pat o'connor of the 40th ward who is um, became the chair after uh, the former chair was uh, removed. And that former chair's name is? Ed Burke. And he was removed, why? Something about an indictment. He was indicted by the feds for, sh- oh, yeah, for allegedly yeah, yeah, yeah. shaking down a Burger King franchisee for property tax business. He Go ahead. joined the club, as it were. Yeah, but he Ed, got reelected by the people in the 14th Ward. Go ahead. So the first thing that, uh, that uh, Alderman O'Connor said is that what we're going to do is we're going to take this item, this uh, Cortland Tiff proposal, and we're going to delay the vote until Wednesday morning, which was the same day that the full city council was scheduled to vote, saying we're going to... I have the discussion today about the Cortland TIF, but then we're going to recess and reconvene because they can't have a new finance uh, committee meeting because they have to give 48-hour notice. So they decided they're going to recess. And what he said was they're going to give Mayor Emanuel and Mayor Elect Lightfoot time to see if they have all the information. I think you put it another way. This afternoon on the phone when I talked to you. Yeah, what did I say? I can't remember. Cut a deal. Yeah, cut a deal. All right. And, um, <laughs> and that's what, yeah. uh, that's, that's what um, transpired. So now this drama that was set up was that Alderman Hopkins had already said, despite that, that he was going to, A, not only press for a vote, but B, he had allies mm-hmm. on, the, on the committee that would call for the vote if Rick O'Connor... Munoz, maybe? <laughs> well, but here's, here's the wrinkle, Maya. The, co- the committee is 35 people, members, and the city council rules state that for any vote to be taken, there has to be a quorum, namely at least half the members, which is 18, mm-hmm. which they had at the outset. 
But then after public testimony began, the attrition started. Ah. They all started filtering out, and it never got back to 18. And um, for the point at which um, uh, Alderman Munoz called for that uh, move to a vote, there were three people. <laughs> there were three Including committee himself? Yeah. And <laughs> Alderman Wagesback told me during yeah. a break that if that happened, he would, he would call quorum. Because the rules are such that if there isn't a quorum, the committee can still opt to vote, to yeah. take any action, unless somebody calls it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The city council rules say, quote, shall be competent to adjourn, unquote, if um, somebody decides to call it out. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Wagaspec said he'd do it. So it was, it was ill-fated at that point. It yeah. wasn't going to happen. All right. So um, you said something. We're getting the weeds here, but I love the weeds. Uh, many weeds. Uh, forty-eight hours. So in other words, you have to have you have to have full forty-eight hours to call uh, a committee, committee meeting. Correct. Yeah. So has he officially called the meeting for Wednesday? No. So uh, again, the technicality is they didn't call a new meeting. They recessed at the end of the Monday uh, meeting. Oh, they're we'll slick. Reconvene. They've done it before. They, uh, oh, well, that, 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 <laughs> oh, they've been slick for a while. You, you should be surprised. No, that's a classic Chicago. Oh, Ben, it's, you know, you should say something's illegal, but Ben, it's that happens it. all the time. <laughs> no, I'm just saying you shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I'm not that's surprised, but they are slick. By the way, speaking of slicksters, Peter Janko is in the studio. He's coming on next. He knows a thing about slick party leaders making slick maneuvers to try to oust independents and stuff. He will be discussing uh, Democratic National Democratic Party issues with Peter Jenko, but let's back. Let's go back to Chicago. So, in other words, they recessed. So, what they can do is call the meeting back to order Wednesday. Is that correct, Senator? Yeah, and then take a vote. But they had all the discussion on Monday. Which... No, nobody will be able to comment further, right? Well, on <clears throat> Wednesday morning. Not, not at uh, technically not. Well, they could do whatever they want, right? But they, uh, Connor probably will not suffer people in the finance. Fifty committee. more people delivering three minute screeds about Lincoln Yards. Well, that's public testimony. The aldermen can talk as long as they want. Oh, the committee okay. Meeting. Yeah, valid but, point. But if they have the finance committee meeting at nine, the full council meeting is scheduled at ten. So that's where you know aldermen can grandstand for and against. Forever. Uh, forever. You know. And just let me remind everybody out there uh, that this is a lame duck session of a lame duck council serving under a lame duck uh, mayor dealing with a very lame issue that's going to sock us uh, with some huge taxes. Uh, just so everybody knows, Pat O'Connor, who uh, Dave mentioned is the chairman of the finance committee, was defeated. Uh, in April's runoff, as Maya mm-hmm. knows, Andre Vasquez is the incoming alderman from the 40th Ward, and Andre Vasquez is opposed to uh, the 78th. Rick Munoz, who uh, showed his support for the plan, is himself a lame duck alderman. He did not run for re-election. And the person who was elected in his place, Alderman Mike Rodriguez, is opposed to the 78th. So it's this interesting, Dave, that the aldermen who are going to be have to shelling out the money or having to vote on the taxes uh, to compensate for the money that's going to be shelled out for Lincoln Yards and the 78. Those aldermen will not get a say if there's a vote on Wednesday. Am I correct on that, young man? Yes, and which is one of the arguments that the critics, some of the critics have made, that 
you know, the, the, the new people are about to be seated in literally three weeks. So why not let it wait? You know, this is the same story with, you know, Obama's nomination to the Supreme Court. You know, the new president's going to be coming in. So, yeah. Uh, I'm being Maybe facetious. they're all angling for uh, legislative affairs consultant jobs with Sterling Bay. Ah, oh, that might. And they're going to have so plenty of money. Cynical. Yeah, we're paying for that, by the way. There's $25 million in the budget, as Dave knows. Dave and I are the only people in the world who've actually have read the redevelopment agreement. Well, Presumably, Lori's uh, team of lawyers have read it by now. Uh, but there's $25 million set aside for lawyers for uh, Sterling Bay and their publicist, their PR flags. We're paying for their PR flags, Dave. All right. So, um, uh, so as I understand it, the Pat O'Connor has said that if Lori Lightfoot says she is uh, does not want this vote to go through, he will not call it the, for a vote. He um, didn't say that. He didn't say that directly? Go he, ahead. He said that we're going to give the mayor and the mayor-elect time to figure out if they have enough information to let this proceed. Okay. And so if she says we don't have enough information, then what does he do? Anything could happen. But... <clears throat> What's more, so there's some more interesting aspects of this to me mm-hmm. around is what are, what is some of the questioning that took place during the committee meeting? Okay, talk about that. Well, one of the important, how much time do we have? Five minutes? No. What do you think the bossiest bike rider I've ever seen? He's like, comes in swearing. Now, how much time do we have? <laughs> well, I, there's, Relax, some, there's chill some really out, interesting man. aspects. Go I'm ahead. trying to decide which ones are, are the best to... Uh, By the way, take... let's say goodbye to Maya. She has to go. She's pressing business. Yeah, Maya, yeah. we'll see you next Tuesday, right? And yeah, you got five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Calm down. <laughs> well, one of the things that... Um, there are a couple things that Alderman gave voice to mm-hmm. that you and many other critics of tax increment financing uh, have made many times, but I seldom, Dennis, could you cue the Hairston clip? I seldom hear mm-hmm. these arguments in the city council. Yeah. And one of them is around um, this thing around blight, mm-hmm. which you've railed against, yeah. uh, namely that when the city wants to create a TIF district, wherever it decides it wants to create a TIF district, it will hire a consultant to show that the area is blighted, even if it's right along the Chicago River, which is prime real estate. <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. Which is what they did here. Uh-huh. And this is the point that uh, Hairston made when she was talking. She's the fifth ward alderman on the south side, and let's hear what she said. I'm still concerned about this being, quote unquote, blight. Just because it's vacant does not necessarily make it blighted, um, because it is not in a blighted neighborhood. Um, if you want to look at blight, I've got several areas in my ward or other places on the south side where we have it. So I'm still concerned about that. So, Alderman, I just want to draw your attention. We've put up a couple of photos of the site. And as you can see, this is vacant, unutilized, infrastructuralist land. Which doesn't make it blighted. Yes, under the statute, it does make it blighted. Well, it makes it vacant. And we can it argue about it, that because if, if you have a, a multi-million dollar vacant land, it still beats a $25 vacant land in another neighborhood. Yeah, who is she talking to? She's talking to Commissioner David Reefman. Oh, Reefman. The, the head of the Department of Planning and Development. Yeah, man, I know Reefman. Former uh, tax uh, lawyer. Uh, I know a thing DLA or two Piper. about TIF. Like, yeah, he was a TIF lawyer. And he's a very articulate defender of this, uh, well, this right, tax increment financing district. He to dodge that issue. The issue, I mean, the statute. A statute could say anything. A statute could be, well, I don't know what's articulate. Yeah, statute says that if, it's, uh, it, if it fits the definition of blight, then it's blighted. But the statute could 
could be manufactured and gerrymandered, that anything would fit. So that's not really a great defense. So it was interesting to hear finally, to me, I don't know if I've yeah. alderman has ever made the case in city council before, but it was interesting to me. Uh, no, she did a great job. You're yeah. absolutely correct. And uh, by the way, uh, Leslie Hairston wrote a, I don't know if you saw this, a law review article. Uh, somebody sent it to me no. uh, not too long ago about TIF programs, a very learned law review article about how uh, dealing with uh, some of the issues that you're just raising here about the, the the questionable language in the statute that are just rife with loopholes so that, um, you know, anything could be termed like so you could play the game that Reefman's playing. Well, it says in the statute that, you know, wealthy land could be blighted, then it's blighted. Huh? And there's an even uh, sort of a more <laughs> higher level argument yeah. about whether the TIF subsidy is needed to begin with, yeah. and that was another argument that came out. Dennis, could you please cue the, cue the Riley clip uh, by Alderman Brendan, Brendan Riley, Riley. Wow. the downtown alderman, the 42nd Ward, and again, this is an argument that you and many others have made around when you're developing in a place like along the Chicago River, you know, whether it's by Roosevelt Street or by North Avenue, that's prime real estate. And if you didn't let, if you didn't give Sterling Bay a subsidy, the argument goes, there are plenty of other developers who knew that, who know they can make money there. And Riley gave an example of this. Several years ago, we had a developer right here downtown near Wacker Drive, actually just across the river from it, with land that is above the Metro Railroad tracks a lot of diesel pollution, very difficult to develop, uh, a lot of complex engineering to build decking over these railroad tracks that can bear the weight of a, a skyscraper. And when I did an intake meeting with that developer, it was made very clear to me that unless we gave that developer $20 million in TIF money to assist with the decking of that project, this could not go forward and this would forever be blighted railroad tracks and diesel fumes for the neighbors nearby. And I said, well, I'm sorry to hear that. We're not satisfied. This does not pass the but-for test we apply to TIF requests downtown. I'd encourage you to go back to the drawing board. And what I can tell you that happened is some three or four months later, the same developer came back and said, Eureka, Alderman, we can build this without the TIF. And I'm, I'm not suggesting that this is an apples-to-apples comparison, but again, (laughs) it's our responsibility and our fiduciary duty to the taxpayer to push and prod and squeeze as hard as we can to make sure that when a developer is going to go and do a very ambitious development, which I've supported, that they're also owning some of the costs that come with improving that site because ultimately their land and their investment will benefit from those improvements. All right. and, and mind you, this is coming from the alderman in whose ward many of these TIF largesse uh, gifts have been have been yeah. bestowed. Yeah, well, and, and it was particularly so be, with his predecessor, Burton Terrace. Let me just take a moment to zero in on what uh, Brendan Riley was saying. What he's saying is just because somebody comes to the city and says, give me X amount of millions of dollars doesn't mean they need it. And what he's saying is that the city should exercise its oversight powers and its authority to determine whether that subsidy is really necessary to develop that project, to develop that property, or is it just a gift, essentially, a handout to a developer who has the clout? And he's pointing out that in many cases, you don't need the money. even if the devel- So if a developer tells you he needs the money, it doesn't necessarily mean that he actually needs the money. So imagine if uh, part of this Lincoln Yards site 
the south part, which was formerly owned by the city, the fleet management location. Oh, yeah. If the city had not sold it to the mm-hmm. first buyer, like Sterling Bay, and said, you know what, we want to put this out to bid. We want uh, quotes. We want proposals for people who will develop this without subsidy. Do you imagine that they wouldn't have any bids? You know, it's just hard to imagine. This is, as Dave said, prime North Side Lakefront real riverfront. estate. Riverfront, excuse me, not lakefront. It's riverfront, water, yeah. Chicago River front property. This is already rising in value as we speak without any subsidy. And it is, uh, as Reefman said, uh, vacant. Because their whole, why is it vacant, Reefman? It's not vacant because nobody wants to develop it. It's vacant because the person who owns it is waiting for the city to hand over a few billion dollars to underwrite the cost of his development. Peter Janko knows what's going on. We know what's going on, Chicago. It's vacant. Well, so? It's only vacant because he's waiting for... It's a a, synonym for blighted. Yeah, no, it's not a synonym for blighted. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, man. So that is some good stuff. You have any more clips? I got one more. Go ahead. Time for it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dennis, if you would cue the Smith. uh, Michelle uh, Smith. Yeah. So one of the things that that is is lost in all this, I think, is that what the council is actually approving, and this particular TIF district is manifested in six ordinances, Mm -hmm. and one of them is called the Redevelopment Agreement, which details how... Sterling Bay, the developer, is going to get paid for its first set of infrastructure projects. And they're, when I say that, I'm saying that they uh, have agreed to build bridges, streets, uh, part of the 606 trail extension, mm-hmm. and get reimbursed by tax increment. And get reimbursed, did you say? Yes. Get reimbursed. Because it's city infrastructure that ah, they're building, and they're okay. going to front it. So this document, this one ordinance, the redevelopment agreement, details that and I in fact I wrote an article about it recently that listeners can find on shygov.com and one of the um, things that I noticed is that first of all just listening to these aldermen question uh, Commissioner Reisman in the meeting some of them had not read the ordinance mind you it's 600 pages Mm -hmm. but 400 (laughs) of the pages of that were uh, economic disclosure statements by the 20 entities that uh, are stakeholders of Sterling Bay. And the second thing is the document is detailed and rather opaque. I had to go, I didn't have to, but I did go to uh, bond attorneys and experts to try to decode what's going on in this document. So it, it's it's uh, it's kind of stacked against these aldermen because it is they'd really have to dig deep. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that impressed me is Alderman Smith, who is the forty third ward alderman, who is Alderwoman Wal- Michelle Smith. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know there is no uh, municipal code that defines the word alderwoman. Yeah, so but Sue Garza says always call us alderman. I do what Sue Garza tells me. Anyway, go ahead. All right. So anyway, Smith's or uh, Smith's ward is directly to the east mm-hmm. of Lincoln Yards. So that's why she has a stake in this. And here she is grilling uh, Commissioner Reefman whatever it is, $487 million for infrastructure. That's now, a subsidy. The assumed interest rate on that, the maximum is 7%. That is about $600 million of interest over 23 years. Isn't that correct? You're or, saying if they got interest on day one and didn't build the improvements over five years? I'm asking how much in interest costs are we expecting? You must have spreadsheets and well, uh, we, but, but it's very uncertain for a lot of different reasons. Number one is... We will not issue notes that accrue interest until the improvements are completed, so that eliminates a significant amount of that. 
after a certain lockout period, which is no more than five years, we can, we can prepay amounts on the note. These are all decisions the city council can make going forward. We can turbocharge the payments, meaning that we can choose to apply more to pay down the interest though. rate faster. We can have additional increment beyond what we expect to pay down those costs. Like any financing... Mm-hmm. It's paid with interest, but the exact amount of interest doesn't know. We have estimated it at a certain amount just to give everyone a sense of what it could be, but that will depend on when the improvements are completed, when the monies come in, how fast the development develops. So how much interest are you estimating as of this moment? I, I give you the same answer. It depends on when the notes are issued and what type of interest rate we apply and whether we turbocharge or don't turbocharge. Okay. It could be as little as $200 million. And that's, <laughs> that's the money right there. That's as little as, as little. Hey, man, it's easy for Reefman to say he's about to leave. You know, he's going out with Rom, and that's, he's like, so just oh, provide, my God. Just a little context. As little as two. Boy, I took, you see how long it took to pin him down? Well, and I edited a lot of it out, oh, too. So the he turbo actually charge. for quite a while. And you deduct the turbo charge from the turby charge. And so just very quickly, it's about uh, $490 million that they're going to pay Sterling Bay, repay, reimburse Sterling Bay to build the infrastructure. But that document doesn't define all this interest costs. And it has never been defined anywhere until finally Alderman Smith got Commissioner Reefman to say the number. Yeah. Yeah, so I would hope that one of the things that Lori Lightfoot presses upon in the, these, you know, when she when she has her team of lawyers pick apart, maybe uh, Sterling Bay should pay its own finance charges. How about that? And we don't even know what those are either hey, because there are fees too if, on top if, of that. If like uh, Reefman says, it could be as little as two hundred million. Sterling Bay, let them kick off. It's only two hundred million with the turbo charge. Right? I, got, I got bad news for you. That's, uh, the TIF is going to pay for all the financing. Oh uh, well, but we well, don't know what the number is. No, but the current TIF. Uh, the deal. And one of the things that Lori Lightfoot supposedly doing is, is having her lawyers, that's what she said, she's going to read through it. And so maybe they'll say, for instance, they could, the Ben Jarofsky suggestion, the way TIFs are structured, all the taxing bodies contribute money to them. We could pull the schools out. You take the schools out. so Like they did with the transit TIF. Like we did with the transit TIF. All of a sudden, the schools are not losing money to, uh, to Sterling Bay. And so when Sterling Bay finally starts paying property taxes uh, on the property once it's getting developed, the school gets their share. And I believe it was Alderman Osterman in the committee meeting asked about that. And uh, Commissioner Reefman said, well, that's, you know, that's a transitive. No, what? That's no answer. It's a tra- you can make this like the transit. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. Reefman is earning his keep. He sure is. He's earning. All right, Dave Glowatz, uh, Mr. Bike, excellent job as always. And um, one more time, independent journalist Dave Glowatz reports on local government at shygov.com. He's also Mr. Bike, a bicycling instructor and author of the best selling paperback, Urban Bikers Tricks and tips uh he's the man the myth the legend we're going to bring him back uh probably next month to talk about this in greater greater detail you okay with that yes thank you all right very good dave glowatz peter jenko the man the myth the legend from the 14th congressional district is waiting waiting to step up we're going to bring him on after this hey there producer dennis here Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. 
Where can you download The Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V is in victory. S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed, we are live from the Chicago Sun-Times. The immortal Peter Jenko is in the studio. Dave Goetz has left the studio. Independent journalist Dave Goetz has left the studio, but uh, Peter Jenko has replaced him. We're going to switch gears. The Democratic Party's official congressional arm, the Democratic Congressional Campaign. Well, we'll get into all the details in a little while with Peter Jenko from the 14th Congressional District. He's a state central committee. Before we do that, D. Got an update for us, young man? Absolutely, I do. Last week, we reached 1,000 likes on the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page. And on Friday, we announced our caption contest to celebrate it. The picture is posted on top of our Facebook page, at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J, show. It's one of our mayor, and for about 30 or so more days, Rahm Emanuel welcoming our mayor-elect Lori Lightfoot into the mayor's office. And he's got his hand on her back and a smile on his face. A fantastic picture to caption. And as always, we asked and you delivered. Thank you to everyone who posted their captions. You're all hilarious. And a special thank you to those who shared the caption contest with their friends. There's like 15 of you. It's all hands on deck here on the Ben Jarofsky Show. <laughs> and you guys helped spread the word. We can't thank you enough. You're all awesome. All right, now let's read some of these captions here. At the end of today's show, our guest at the moment, Peter Janko, will be picking our winner. <laughs> yeah. We got three. We're going to do third place, second place, first place, all right, gotcha. for the caption contest. All right, so let's go ahead and uh, read the captions here. Once again, the picture is Mayor Rahm with his hand on Lori Lightfoot's back with a smile on his face, welcoming Lori to the mayor's office. Picture that as I read Garnett's caption. Garnett's caption is, uh, and over on this wall is where we have the machine that creates the potholes that powers the city. That I like works. that one, yeah. I like that, that one. I like that one, yeah. Over here. Marine's caption. Uh, yeah. Come into my parlor, said the spider to the fly. Oh, yeah. Spider to the fly. Okay. That's I don't know what that is. blues song in the Rolling Stones covered. Anyway, All right. Uh, don't change the, uh, the stream, <laughs> listeners. Up next, it's Patrick, a.k.a. Pat Rod on the YouTube live stream chat. I like this one here. It's uh, like a like a movie or something here. It says, "This is Lori." Hey, what's uh, what's with this wall? <laughs> and Rob says, "Ah, yes, that's my." wall map of Chicago. Isn't it great? And then Lori goes, oh, where are the south and west sides? Then Rob says, hey, come over here. I'll show you the chair you get to sit in. That's pretty good. Yeah, that is good. On to Alex's <laughs> caption. Alex, uh, his caption is a throwback to when Dro- uh, Rom dropped out of the race here. Alex's caption, 
The next mayor of Chicago hasn't entered the office uh, yet. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, I love that one. Up next is Ryan. Uh, this is Rom talking here. His caption, oh, I can't stop pulling his Joe Biden. Okay, Ryan. <laughs> oh, goodness. John's <laughs> caption is next. Uh, so, this is the place. Hey, sorry about the drab carpet. Let me show you the TIFF vault in case <laughs> yeah. you want to redecorate. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right, we got the Pops. TIFF vault. That's a good one. <laughs> These are great captions, yeah. guys. Up next, it's Pops. Pops' is caption, uh, this way to the dead fish cooler, Lori. <laughs> oh, Ben Rob's really likes notorious for the dead fish. Ben, Remember that one? Ben is digging these no, captions. This is good, man. I really like Sue's <laughs> caption. Sue, uh, Sue's caption here. Now, remember, Rom had his hand on Lori's back. Sue's caption, and this is Lori Lightfoot talking here. Uh, oh, up a little higher to the left. Oh, yeah, right there. Like, uh, like she's getting her back itched or something. Oh, <laughs> pretty good, right? Yeah. Pretty funny. Yeah. Anna, Anna, simple one here. It's all yours. Bye. <laughs> I am out of here. <laughs> Sharon, Sharon's <laughs> caption. Come on, I want to introduce you to my ferret. He comes with the office, but he's a little nippy. Uh, Rom's ferret. Okay. E- Evie's caption. Evie puts, Lori, this is the fuzzy sweater closet. Ah, uh, Lori oh, remembers. Remembers that old fuzzy sweater commercial. Jacob's got a tough decision here. Yeah, no. Donald's caption is next. No, not Donald Trump. Just regular old Donald. That may as well be Trump with this caption, though. Now, where did Biden tell me to not put my hand? Mm-hmm. Got a Biden lot of Biden jokes. jokes. Yeah, Grandpa got of, Joe. Got a lot of Biden jokes. Here's Margaret's caption. Ah, let me introduce you to my tailor, referring to Lori Lightfoot's pants in the picture. They are a little big, <laughs> bit baggy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay's caption. Finally, someone who's shorter than me, exclaimed Rom. <laughs> Shauna's That's caption. Funny. Oh, I heard there was a ribbon uh, around my desk and chair. And Rom says, ah, yes, I just wanted to do one last ribbon cutting. He loves cutting ribbons. Oh, he does. All right, Liz. Liz puts, hi, Lori. Hey, let's hurry. I'm listening to my favorite podcast, The Ben Jarofsky Show. <laughs> oh, no, they put the Ben Javorsky show. That's all right. It's close enough. Rom knows what it is. Yeah, Julia puts, no, you can't turn around and leave. You're stuck here for four years. Yeah. Catherine <laughs> puts, the dumpster fire is over here. Petrina puts, damn, you short too. <laughs> That's what it said. Damn you short, too. Uh, like, and Roman numerals, uh, too. Yeah. Joseph puts, uh, this room is what I refer to as deal or no deal. Steve puts, and here is where Jane Byrne made up oh, made up with the evil cabal. Yeah, that, huh. Chuck's caption, Lori, you really should take up swimming. Michael, you see, this is where I keep my very own Tiff money stash. Every penny counts. And finally, John, hi, Lori, come on in. Can I take your school? I mean... Your coat? Yeah, can I take your school? By the way, Steve, and here is where Jane Byrne made up with the evil cabal. I wonder if that's the same Steve. I think it is. Keep uh, the captions coming. If you're listening right now, Peter Jenko is going to announce the uh, three winners at the end of today's show. All right. Very good. Peter Jenko, yes, uh, from the 14th Congressional District. Uh, welcome back, Peter Jenko, to our humble airwaves. Thank you for having me on today. Yeah. Now, Peter Jenko, folks, you may not know this, uh, was a guest on my old radio show a couple of times. He was the insurgent who won, who was victorious in the race for a central committeeman of the 14th Congressional District. And our central, our state central party committeemen are apportioned by congressional districts. Each district has a woman and a man. Am I correct about that? Yes, you yeah, are. All right. And uh, when uh, Peter was elected, let's go back in time and take folks and explain the significance of one, Peter Janko. When you were elected, you had run on a, a promise not to vote for Michael Madigan, who is the state chairman. Uh, you were not going to vote for Michael Madigan to reelect him as state chairman. That's what you ran on. And as soon as you were elected, Mike Madigan reached out to you. <laughs> Come on, Janko. The campaign's over. Tell folks a little bit about that. Okay. Um, 
Actually, it's funny because um, I had lunch with Michael Madigan shortly after I got elected, and um, I kind of explained why I ended up running against him. And Did Michael be- Madigan eat more than an apple? He's known for eating an apple. Yeah, that's right? it. He only eats an apple. No, I caught him. Oh, <laughs> uh, Eating chicken salad, you know. He says he's a vegetarian, so I guess that... Uh, He's a chickatarian, as a I am. Chickatarian, yes. All, all right, so go on. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I mean, I was originally going to just uh, vote present, but then uh, when I got attacked by uh, my opponent, um, I decided they did a smear piece on me, and so I decided to actually blow that thing up big. And uh, so I was actually forced into making that my campaign promise because originally I had a regular platform um, that I still believe in, that's still working on, which includes progressive income tax, um, you know, public bank for Illinois and, uh, you know, various other things that the state needs. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Eve Madigan invited you to lunch. It was a very cordial lunch. He was urging you uh, to reconsider uh, your pledge to vote against him, but ultimately you decided what to do. Did you vote for him or against him? I, can't, I actually cannot remember this. It's been over a year, young man. Well, because I, made a cons- I, because I made a promise to the people that voted for me, I felt I didn't really have much choice but to um, stay with my pledge. And so you were the one no vote. Yes, and... Uh, Michael Madigan understood, and um, so there were no hard feelings, and um, I guess we're, we're okay. So we're out there working together to get more Democrats elected. All right, talk about that, the 14th Congressional District. Help people out a little bit. We've been so Chicago-centric since we got the new show, Peter, because, uh, well, we just had this huge mayoral election, and you, you came into the tail end as I was talking about tips and how they're uh, misused in Chicago, and I'm sure they're being misused out in McHenry County. I'll bet you anything they're being misused out in your area. So suburbanites, don't act like you're so much better than us, all right? All right, so, but tell folks what uh, the 14th Congressional District consists of. What, what are some of the towns, et cetera? Okay, um, the 14th Congressional District is kind of like a giant sea. It goes up into Lake County, um, contains Antioch, and then it kind of swings down to Fox Valley and um, has towns like Woodstock, Crystal Lake, uh, most of Crystal Lake, um, Geneva, and uh, swings way down into um, Plainfield areas. And it goes as far west as DeKalb and Sandwich, and in the northwest goes to, to Harvard. So it's a huge district. It's 1,600 square miles. Mm. Yeah, it's a very gerrymandered district, and it recently uh, elected a new congresswoman. Am I correct about that? That's true. Um, We had a phenomenal turnout, and we elected Lauren Underwood. Yes, Lauren Underwood was uh, successful. That was a race uh, that the Democrats originally were thinking, ah, it's kind of long shot. We don't know if we're going to jump aboard. And then things started to change uh, in 2018 election cycle, and she began. Lauren picked up uh, steam, and she was victorious. So it's a sign, what, that the 14th Congressional can start electing Democrats across the board, do you think? Um, I believe it's the start of that, and the amazing thing is um, I think it was the progressives 
in all the different groups, they came out, became the volunteers. I don't think Lauren could have done it without the support from a lot of the progressive groups out there, like progressives of Kane County, McHenry County progressives, DeKalbaria progressives. So those were the people that were actually out there from morning till evening, every spare minute, working mm-hmm. to make sure Lauren got elected. Now you, before you moved out to, uh, people may not realize this, before you moved out to the Burbs, you were a Chicago kid, right? That's right. I grew up uh, around Lincoln Fullerton Halstead, the old 43rd. And uh, I remember as a young guy, you know, working the Fullerton L platform. So that's kind of my thing. Wait, you were I, working? What do you mean working for? You were working for a campaign? Yes. Which yeah. campaign? Um, gosh, that was way back in the 70s. Um, Aldermanic campaign or congressional? All of it. All the city campaigns, you know. I think at the time our alderman was Alderman Singer. Oh, Bill Singer was Bill the alderman. Singer, yeah. yeah. And uh, so, is our politics played a little differently out uh, in in the burbs? They are in the city, or are they rough and tumble out there as well? Oh, it's it's pretty rough and tumble out there. I mean, uh, we're competing with Chicago and a lot of the um, darker aspects of politics. There's no question about that. But I believe that goes on everywhere. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, one of the the crusades that you have going right now. And this is what you uh, really wanted to talk about, so let's talk about it. Sure. Uh, has to do with the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, the DCCC. Uh, and uh, many years ago, Rom was the head of the DCCC. And uh, all right, tell folks what your gripe is with the DCCC at the moment. Okay, like right now, um, the DCCC decided, I, I, the way I understand it, this policy has been there for a while. It was just never really advertised but they want to enforce a blacklist so anybody that uh, challenges an incumbent um, they essentially you know all the consultants all the the people that that the candidates use to help them win um, get blacklisted so that they cannot help these candidates and if they do then they can't work for the for the DCCC candidates anymore. So explain what you mean by blacklisted. Um, there's a pledge that has to be signed by uh, the tree, uh, oh, excuse me. DCCC has a, a pledge and it's on their website mm-hmm. and potential vendors have to essentially um, promise that they won't help anybody that's challenging an incumbent. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, I guess that's, an unwritten rule, you know, in all politics, you know, down from the uh, county board level all the way to the top, you know, there's always some kind of, you know, it's an unwritten law that you're not supposed to run against an incumbent. All right. Well, let's just break it down so people can understand. Uh, for instance, uh, in the last cycle, Marie Newman ran against uh, 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 Congressman Lipinski. Uh, in the, I want to say, I'm doing this off the top of my head, the third congressional district, isn't it the third? Uh, I- or is it maybe f- yeah maybe fifth i don't know fifth, no fifth is mike quigley oh. uh, all right and fourth is Luis gutierrez or uh, chewy Garcia. anyway she ran against him on the southwest side he was an incumbent and he was very much opposed by uh, uh pro-choice uh people and uh gay rights people uh and marie newman came very close to unseating him uh he was endorsed by nancy pelosi because at the time she believes as the um speaker of the house well before she was speaker of the house but the sort of the leader of the democratic uh, caucus in the house she should endorse any incumbent that's her policy right all right uh, very similar to michael madigan's policy once you 
run against Michael Madden. If you if you run against Michael Madden again, he'll work like hell against you. Once you're in the club, he'll support you. You're probably going to get supported by Madigan next time around, Peter Jenko. Anyway, are you telling me that the policy of the Democratic, uh, the DCCC, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, is that if somebody, uh, some political consultant, wants to work for a Marie Newman against a Lipinski in a congressional primary, that that person would be blacklisted from getting a business with the DCCC? Triple C on any other campaign. That's how it reads. And uh, the interesting thing is, there's a uh, a uh, counter blacklist movement where a bunch of the consultants and stuff can uh, actually sign up and become a preferred list for candidates that are challenging incumbents. So, I mean, every time you have a push, it always appears that there's going to be some kind of pushback. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, in the bigger scheme of things, you know, I think the policy is a mistake. Uh, I believe now, like I always did, that it's really up to the people to decide, you know, who who should run, who should be elected. Because if a candidate's not qualified, they're not going to get their petition signed. You know, it's as simple as that. And, um, you know, if you get on the ballot, it means you have a respectable ground game. And to me, it comes down to survival of the fittest. Uh, so if a primary challenger wins, um, they're more likely to win in the general, you know, mm-hmm. because it says, you know, they're, they've got a better platform, they've got a better ground game. So if we want to build a strong party, I think every viable candidate should be given the opportunity to run and be welcome to run. You know what, Peter, this sounds a lot like a repeat on one level of the sort of fight, internal fights that went on in 2016 between the Bernie Sanders people and the Hillary Clinton people as the rules were written, dictating how the Democrats would nominate their uh, their party nominee, their presidential nominee. And it seems as though in many ways what you're telling me is that this battle is still very much going on within the Democratic parties. It tries to figure out how Democratic, that small d Democratic, how Democratic it wants to be uh, as it heads into the 2020 showdown with Trump. Am I right about that? Yeah, that's, uh, you're absolutely right on that. And so, uh, so what's, your, what's your particular stand on this issue? Um, my particular stand is that um, I, I could see the party is entitled to do some kind of vetting, but I think it would be smart for the party to look at people that get on the ballot and say, hey, you know what, maybe this is a better candidate than our current incumbent. And um, because ultimately, you know, especially in the red districts, you mm-hmm. know, if, if uh <laughs> It, it, it seems to me like when Bernie ran, he took um, he took McHenry County mm-hmm. in the primary because a lot of what Bernie stood for are things that a lot of people can identify with. You know, the income inequality, you know, the need for health care. I mean, when you have like Obamacare, ACA, whatever. And 30% of all healthcare dollars are bled off the top. I mean, ultimately, that's unsustainable. And you could also argue that it's fiscally conservative to have Medicare for all because, you know, the, the, the Koch brothers did that study. Oh, it's going to cost us $32 trillion. <laughs> You know, but yeah. they didn't say that it's going to save $49 trillion. You know, they never finished the other half. Yeah, isn't that know? funny so, how that works? Yeah. 
All right, Peter Janko is my guest. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. And he, one of the things he's going to do, he's going to pick some winners of the caption contest. A lot of pressure on the 14th Congressional uh, State uh, Committeeman, Peter Janko. We'll be right back after this. If you would like to advertise with The Ben Jarofsky Show, and who wouldn't? Contact Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com. We have several advertising options for your business or organization. And quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp at C-O-R-P as in Paul dot com to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, the Chicago Reader, and the Chicago Sun-Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of the Ben Jarofsky Show live and downloaded in moments. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, uh, yeah. take us home. Man, I love that song. Apparently, <laughs> listen to I this I love that song. You know, folks, when Peter Jenko is not running uh, for 14th Congressional State Central Committee, and when he's not sitting down to enjoy a delicious apple with Michael Joseph Madigan... He's playing the keyboards. That's Peter Janko right there on the oh, keyboard. <laughs> play Moonlight Sonata. <laughs> uh, uh, Peter Janko wishes he could play the piano like that. All right, we got to do some caption contest winners. But before we do that, we'll finish up a little business uh, with Peter Janko before we head out the door. Let him get out the door on his busy day. Uh, and uh, so we were talking before we went to break uh, about uh, the ongoing battle between the activist element in the Democratic Party and the more mainstream element of the Democratic Party. By the way, folks, this Thursday at the Davis Theater, there's that um, documentary I've been talking about, Peter. Uh, I think it's called Bring Down the House about uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Many of these themes are in her race for Congress against, was it Joe Cowley? Or Crowley from Joe the uh, Crowley. Joe Crowley from um, Joe Crowley is the sports writer for the Sun Times. Uh, Joe Crowley uh, from um, uh, Bronx in New York and how she defeated him, and that'll be in the documentary. So, if any folks are interested, at Davis Theater this Thursday. This stuff isn't going anywhere. This battles between sort of the leftist, more Democratic, smaller D Democrats and the more established mainstream Democrats, it's still very much alive. What's going on in regards to Sherry Bustos, Congresswoman Sherry Bustos? Tell us, Peter. Okay, apparently um, Sherry Bustos is kind of the one that went public with this as the, the chair, I guess, that's that's your job. But anyway, um, a lot of people are upset about this. So there's actually, uh, we've called for a meeting, a number of leaders of uh, different groups uh, quite a few of them that represent um, tens of thousands of people have asked Sherry Bustos for a meeting. Um, I just received an email today. And there's a couple of dates given. So at this point, it's uh, the ball is in her court. And we're going to find out um, if she's going to stick with that or if we can change her mind about this policy. All right. Very good. And uh, you 
you had some news about possibly running for state rep, or we're going to hold those that news off, or are you going to talk about that today, young man? No, we can talk about that today. All right. So, Peter Jenko, having been successful in his run for state central committeeman, you're thinking of running for state rep. Yeah, I, uh, I kind of made up my mind. Um, I've talked to a lot of people, and um, I've got a lot of support uh, for doing that. It's uh, for a seat that's uh, in a solidly red district. Um, it's a seat kind of like uh, Lauren Underwood's that's kind of always been perceived as being unwinnable. So it's going to take a lot of work, but I'm, you what, know. What seat is it? What number is it? It's the uh, 63rd and who's up the, in McHenry County. The okay. incumbent is Steve Reich. And uh, he, of course, is a Republican uh, who's been around for how long? 16 years. Mm. And why do you think you could beat him? Um, I think uh, in the past, um, you know, it kind of goes back to this whole DCCC thing, but um, the conventional wisdom has always been that you run Republican light in, you know, red districts, and um, everybody's tried it and failed. So uh, I think you have to show that you stand for something. So since I've been elected, you know, I've been talking to a lot of the legislators and stuff like that and talking to people, see what they want in the 14th, um, actually working to improve infrastructure out in our area, for example, trying to uh, resurrect the the Amtrak to Rockford thing. Um, so I've talked to a number of uh, federal and, and state legislators. We've had a rough winter, you know, cold and snow and ice and stuff, so I haven't been able to meet people as fast as I could, but now that the warm weather's coming up, um, I can do that. And So anyway, the other reason I think... Uh, I have a good shot at it is because um, I probably shouldn't give away a secret, but uh, <laughs> don't give away the trade secrets. But, but go ahead. Uh, I'm going to start early. I think you need a, a two-year campaign cycle. Mm -hmm. I think that's what uh, Ocasio Cortez did. She started very early on there um, to counter. I mean, what do we use big money for? I mean, why do we want it to get name recognition and exposure? So. I'm from the old school, you know, Fullerton L platform. You go out there and shake hands and meet people and ask them to vote for you. He's old school, right? Lane Tech graduate. Uh, people don't know that Peter Jenko. He's out in McHenry County, but he's a Lane Tech graduate. All right, Peter Jenko. I think the time has come. No, no more uh, uh, ducking and dodging. You're gonna have to name some winners. Is that correct, young? Ducking Dave? and dodging. Time's over, Jenko. <laughs> but before we get into these uh, these captions. Let's yeah. read over uh, what our live streamers are talking about here. Right, Shout out to it. everyone who reached out to us. Quite a few here. Uh, oh, Adolfo El Mondragon reached out. Dragon. Uh, he was listening earlier here. He said, isn't Cochran going to jail for essentially the same thing Rick Munoz committed? Well, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I do. I do not know the answer to that question because I don't know exactly what it was uh, that Minos talking about taking the money from uh -huh. the. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I got to get a lawyer to look into that one. Bruce, Bruce. Hey, where, where's Coogan when you need him? Bruce, Bruce says the fix is in for Lincoln Yards. Yeah, I, <laughs> I got a feeling he's right about that. Our good friend Pat Rod said, as far as Lightfoot on Lincoln Yards, she sounded against it to me at the hideout when you were talking with her at the hideout. Uh -huh. Pat Rod, did I meet you at the hideout? 
or maybe he watched the video. I don't know. Uh, but he says, and if she does anything but oppose it, she'll lose all my support. Uh, Kyle Young says, more sailor talk. He wants more cursing. <laughs> Monroe Anderson fan, I guess. He's Kyle. coming in tomorrow. Monroe will be here tomorrow. So, Kyle, Bruce, check Bruce, in. Bruce Bruce said the X-rated Ben Jarofsky show. Yeah, there's a lot of cursing on this one today. I'm going to put explicit on that one. <laughs> uh, how about Verland, I believe? No, v- Virand, DB? I don't know. He says, uh, this is laughable from Hopkins. Definitely a no-brainer. And Viren also put, I read last week, uh, I read at, le- at least a week ago that Sterling Bay was looking to move into Inglewood, too. I need to get some equity in U-Haul. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's pretty good. All yeah. right. Now on to our <laughs> captions. Peter Jenko, you have to select three. We had about 40 of them here. Yeah. So uh, we'll go ahead and uh, start here. Just let me get the uh, drum roll going. All right, Peter, let's hear number three. Number three, the third place <laughs> caption, Peter Jenko. I am Mark D's not giving uh, Number three. <laughs> A lot of pressure okay. on Jenko. All right. Uh, this one's going to kind of like uh, show my age. All right. My number third is, and... Here is where Jane Byrne made up with the evil cabal. Nice. Very nice. Who is the one that sent that? And that was sent by Steve. Steve. All right. Way to go. You're in third place, buddy. Uh, (laughs) And and the thing is, it's so real, you know, I mean, because this is how it works, right? In politics. Yeah, uh-huh. no, Jane Byrne ran against the evil cabal, and then within a week, she had made up with the evil cabal. All right, here we go. It is now time for number two. What you got, Jenko? <laughs> oh. Number two. Number two. Okay, by Sharon. Come on, I want to introduce you to my ferret. He comes <laughs> He comes with the office, but he's a little nippy. Nice. Right. Sharon, you got second place. That's pretty cool, huh? All right. And the winner who gets a free blue Mustang. And finally, hold on. It is time for... Wait, hold on. I got to find it. All right. Nice work, Jenko. Julie, you won. All right. And now Peter Jenko will sing one of his favorite songs. Julie, Julie, do you love me? Uh, No, don't sing it. All right. uh, You're just the greatest singer. (laughs) You don't know the song, Julie, 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 do you love me? Oh, come on. That's your generation. You're not. You know, you I maybe you're a little younger. You don't know that song. All right. Our next caption contest, let's do it when we hit 1,200. How about oh, we're that? right uh, around the corner yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. We're about, okay. I think, 30 away from 1,100. Yeah. So uh, when we hit 1,200 likes, head over to the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page. If you've yet to like the page, go do it. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J, show. Ben, spell that last name for him. J-O-R-A, V as in victory, as my beloved Bulls will do tonight, S. K-Y. You have no excuse. Find us, like us, tell your friends. All right. Very good, D. Uh, excellent show today. I want to thank Maya Dukmasova, who has left Dukmasova. the building. What did I say? Dukmasova. Oh, Dukmasova. You know, she changes it every week, D. All right. You don't want to get too wedded to one pronunciation. Dave Gloatz, the man, the myth, the legend. Mr. Bike did a great job of breaking down the uh, Lincoln Yard deal and came with his own... Uh, bits to play i oh. thought that was really audios as we could i know usually it's just that bell <laughs> he brought the bell and everything uh we're going to take a deeper dive with him probably in a week or so on that deal and of course the legendary peter jenko uh in from mchenry county 
Uh, and uh, Peter, welcome to our humbling surroundings, and thank you for coming back. We'll bring you back to talk about the political goings-on in your neck of the woods, all right? Looking forward to it. All right, very good. Uh, Miles did an outstanding job. Rough week for Roosevelt last uh, weekend. I think it's going to be good times ahead, Miles, for you guys. Good times ahead. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend. Oh, yeah, behind the board, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. You know what they say about him? You know what Otis Wilson said about him? The ladies all love him for his body and his mind. No one says that. (laughs) Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. And hey, live streamers, if you missed any of today's show, remember, you can download it at chicagoreader.com and chicago.suntimes.com to download the show. Downloaders, hey, we're live. We do the show live Tuesday through Friday. We'll be live tomorrow, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time, chicagoreader.com, chicago.suntimes.com. Big thank you to everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Tell your friends, huh? Huh?